negotiations have failed, and we bring you Tabcast 32. On it, we bring you a new segment, discuss what games will never make the list, and have an all-out fantasy war when we review Conquest of Narath. Yes, Fred. I got to tell you that I think this is going to be our fightiest episode we've ever had. Probably. You think so? Put them up. (laughs) I concede. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Nicole, that is Nicole that you heard just now, and she is ready to go head to head with me. I am Fred, and welcome to the second episode that we've done that is brought to your ears via the voice of the people, people, people. All, what, nine of them? The people. People. Do you want me to echo it nine times? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) For each of the people who voted? (laughs) Was it nine people who voted? I think so. You know, that's fine. That's good. You know what? More people can vote. We don't... More people voted this time than last time. Right. Everyone who's listening, all you have to do is just go to the guild and vote. Yep. And you can choose for this. Yep. So once again, we've let the guild... This one's done. Right. We've let the guild vote. Oh my God, you're going to keep doing this, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you said it was going to be a fighty episode. Now, that's right. Now, once again, we've let the, vo- the guild vote to decide the future of the Tabcast. Now, on the latest poll, we asked which of three games you would like to hear as the feature. And that list included La Isla, which got one comment. That was by Glenn, who said, La Isla! <laughs> <laughs> Baseball Highlights 2445, fi- which got... Two votes, actually, and I'm really sorry, Matt. Better luck next next time. I know you were one of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the winner was Conquest of Narath. That's, Did anybody say anything about it? No, but that that is the longest and most likely to cause friction between us, isn't it? What that game? Yes, probably of those three, I would say absolutely. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we'll find out later how that turns out, but we've got quite a bit to talk about before that, including what got played. We. All right, we played three games this week, or I did. <laughs> How I many know. did you play? One. <clears throat> One. You were there. You remember? <sighs> so disappointing. Well, I played. <laughs> I did get a baseball game, despite our uh, our guild not voting for the baseball highlights twenty four five. I actually got the bottom of the ninth played. <clears throat> This game's cool. You play that with Travis, right? Right, right. I played it at a restaurant while I was having a baked bean hamburger. That sounds awful. That was good. Baked bean hamburger. I ate it with a knife and fork. Well, you would have to. <coughs> Not it's necessarily. It's like a chili burger. You have to kind of eat with a knife and fork because the chili just falls out of the back if of you, it. If you're okay looking like a sloppy baby, you can eat it with your hands. I wouldn't do it, though. But here's the thing. We played bottom of the ninth after eating with a knife and fork so as not to ruin all the components. <laughs> <coughs> Okay. Uh-huh. In this game, you try. If the other team scores, you end up losing the game. But there, there's like a <clears throat> a really fun mechanism where you have two little poker chips. They're not poker chips. They're actually like wooden discs, but they're about poker chip sized discs. One side <laughs> says high, and one side says low on one of them, and one of them says inside, one of them says outside. 
and you secretly behind your hand manipulate these so the side you'll make a combination of two like high and inside or low and outside or whatever and you'll do that secretly behind your hands reveal it and if yours whatever yours matches the batter like if you're the pitcher whatever matches the batter the batter gets a bonus because he called that it was going to be inside let's say let's say you said did low and inside and he did high and inside that means he would have one match and he would get like this bonus effect on his batting card his little character cards and these batting cards are like you know like look like an old tops card where they have a slick kind of finish with an image on the front like the picture of the batter and on the back is this unfinished sort of statistic thing but it has your powers in it and it tells you stuff like if you match the maroon disc which is the high and low disc that you would get like plus or minus one to whatever your batting role is in your batting in your batting attempt die and then if you match the white disc which is the the inside outside disc you get to re-roll your batting die altogether one moment <laughs> okay so you get to you get to re-roll your roll altogether and of course if you match both of them it gets really bad because then all of a sudden you're you're uh getting your your super effect or you're getting two of the smaller effects or whatever you know at the same time okay. which is which is really cool i mean so you've got this kind of chart like that and the and the pitcher does the same thing if you if you, if you fail to match the maroon one he gets plus or minus one to his pitching die and uh if you fail to match the other one he gets to re-roll his pitching die and then there's a special effect as well that goes off this is what's cool he has a special effect that goes off if you don't match either one plus he also has a special like burped sorry also has a special <laughs> Jeez, effect you're a mess we're just starting out here <laughs> <laughs> so he also has a special effect that goes off if he uses a certain <laughs> certain pitch <laughs> i'm dying i'm sorry a certain pitch why are you so fat? i don't know mow the lawn today a certain pitch that will go off if he uses like he has a specialty pitch so let's just say it's the uh let's say it's high and inside is his special pitch okay if, if he does high and inside and, and the other person fails to match either one of those either one but it could be one or the other you know of those mm-hmm. he you automatically get your special effect which would be like you can't you know hit a home run off of this or something weird like that weird <clears throat> it's, it's kind of cool no it's really cool now that's not even the coolest part so after you find tell out tell me the coolest part I know, Fred. I, no i'm not gonna get there yet One second. you gotta wait for this okay so once on you uh, <clears throat> right so once you let me write some down <laughs> once you uh <laughs> edit nicole on the edge of her seat right get that out of here <laughs> take nicole off seat no uh <clears throat> once you uh actually match those those or get your little match up how you're going to you know be plus or minus one then the pitcher rolls his pitching die which tells two different things there's two different dice one of them has an a or like a no it's a c b what's the other one it's not a b c d no g Q because there's a ball oh it's an S B or C ha ball striker contact oh not where I thought you were going I thought it'd be catch right now the pitcher on the back of his he has like a little table or there's like another card actually not on the back of the pitcher cards but there's another little card that tells you if it's like if you roll the exact same number as a ball contact or strike symbol what the effect is and it tells you whether you're getting balls strikes or you know fouls okay okay or if you're getting a contact hit okay so if it says if underneath the contact die or whatever if you roll the exact same die as Drink the pitcher 
I can't. If you roll the exact same spot as the pitcher, you make contact with the ball, then you're going to get potentially a base hit. If it says nothing, you're getting a strike, and if it says something else, you're getting a ball, and you have like a little tracker that looks like a piece of bubblegum that comes out of the package of cards. Keep making me want to go buy some bubblegum. No way. So you have this, you have this like little stat tracker thing, like that tells you know how many balls and how many strikes you have, mm-hmm. right? And so if you make contact with the ball, this is the coolest part. So obviously, if, okay. you, get, if you get two strikes or three strikes, you're out. If you get four balls, you get a base automatically. So here's the coolest part: if you make contact with the ball, so the batter rolls his dice right after you, right? And he's trying to see where he matches up on this little chart. If he rolls the same number above it or below it, okay. and he's using his little modifiers and everything like that. If you make contact with the ball. Both the pitcher and the batter grab their six-sided dice and start rolling frantically as the batter, quote-unquote, runs to the base. And whoever scores a five or a six gets to scream out either safe or out. <laughs> so the batter guy starts rolling his dice really fast, and he's trying to he's trying to get a five or six, and he's trying to say safe, and you're rolling really quick at the pitcher, and you're trying to get a five or six to say out, and it's it's amazing how how frantic it is for a second because you're just like it's just like real baseball. We're just everybody everybody you know watches baseball says well it's just a bunch of guys just sitting around waiting for someone to hit a ball yeah, and when someone hits a ball it's like you know everything just goes crazy for a second. <clears throat> so it just catches that feel, <clears throat> right? And you're in a restaurant doing this, oh, of course. <laughs> but I don't care. That's awesome. <laughs> but that was the most fun part is rolling this dice frantically. And there is a mechanic for rolling a six on your hit. If it's a certain like, you know, you match a certain one and you roll a six, then you can roll. You can hit home runs and stuff like that. And of course, there's even a there's even a deal where the pitcher gets one last chance to catch it as it flies over the wall. And if he rolls a six returning, you know, to answer your six, then he catches the ball and you're out anyways. Huh. So there's a lot of weird tension built into this game. And this game is surprisingly small. And, it, and it's. I think it's probably like I think honestly for me personally it's the best baseball game I've played so far. Yeah, pretty cool. Out of the what two that you've played? I've played two baseball games <laughs> that were not video games. <laughs> but this is the best. I, I liked it more than Twenty Forty Five. People are probably going to disagree with me for that, but I don't care. Twenty Forty Five was like rock, scissors, papers, deck building. I don't know. I liked it. It's it fun, fun, but, but it's, it's rock, scissors, the... paper, deck building is what okay. it is. This one's like. This one's more frantic and feels cooler. I don't know. I think <laughs> okay. it captures baseball better. All right. What <clears throat> so, else did you play then? Well, you and well, I, I played. We didn't play test this legacy at a restaurant. We did at a restaurant. And I can't remember if we've talked about we haven't uh, play tested this, the card game series or not. I'm not sure, but there's not much <clears throat> to say about it. It's, it's a really small, simple game. Tell them about it, Nicole. Go ahead. Well, everybody gets dealt two cards. Mm-hmm. And then you have to draw a card and play one of your cards. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. You read the text on the card to determine if you're going to play it. And whatever the text says is going to pretty much determine if you win, lose, or just right. move on to the next person. But it's all really <laughs> bizarre stuff. It's like like one of them that I got had a list of... Well, this one, because it's a legacy version, you will make modifications to the cards themselves. Right. So this one, one of them I had said uh, something about eaten by a shark, mm-hmm. and it had a list of different body parts, and you would had you had to mark through one of them, and or you have to announce which one that is and mark through it, and the person that you put that card in front of couldn't move that body part. If they do, they lose right until the end of the game. So I gave it to Matt, of course, because Matt likes to talk crap, and I crossed out tongue so he couldn't talk crap couldn't talk and we were there to eat pie so he couldn't eat his pie either right until the game was over now, this this game really is like it, it's one of these really quick games where it 
and it's it's intended that you can last, last like one seconds. card, yeah. Because yeah. you can play one card, and it says and it says everybody throw out throw a number out in front of their you know in front of their body, and if the numbers are different than you know if you threw out odd and everybody else threw out even on their number of fingers, then they lose. Yeah, <clears throat> it can be that simple. Yeah, so. We've played this game in Legacy. The one that's Legacy is named after the Legacy series of games like uh, Risk Legacy, Pandemic Legacy, etc. And it's uh, you get to write on all the cards and do all kinds of goofy stuff. And I mean, it's got all this embarrassing stuff. Like we actually had the turtle shell one where Matt was wearing his the, the bottom of the box up on top of his head in the middle of the restaurant and stuff. And the kid behind him was kind of like... <clears throat> Looking at his dad, like, right. what's he doing? Well, that's, I mean, it's funnier whenever it's, you know, everybody's kind of doing goofy stuff like that. Yeah, at a place where you're not supposed to do that stuff. Right. That's good. Right. I think there's even, like, a card in there that, like, because you've played it several times at work. Right. And uh, the card will end up having an owner on it. Mm-hmm. And there's one with your name on it. And I think it even says, if your name is Fred, you win. So right. you, by default, win. Right. So just so, goofy stuff like that. Right. But there's also a whole bunch of cards in there that say if your name is, you know, underneath this line, you lose automatically. And my name's written in there. Well, and you wrote my <laughs> name in on a game I didn't even get to play. I did? Yes. Good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I play it for the first time. I'm like, my name's on here. Oh, I lose. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> that's <laughs> that was amazing. A, that was the first time I ever played that game that happened. Right. Well, I mean, that's... And there's even packs in there. There's like like three or four extra packs right. that'll say, don't open this until this happens. Like if, if somebody, uh, you have to, oh, you have to have a cat touching the box. Right. We don't have a cat. Hmm. So that'll never happen. I know somebody named Cat. We should play it with her. Then we can open that pack. No. No? Never trust a girl named Cat. Is <laughs> it a guy named Cat? No, it's a girl named Cat. <laughs> but I don't trust her. If it was a guy named Cat... <laughs> Would you trust him? I'd be like, meow. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <clears throat> all right. So we played that. We didn't play test this at all. And, and all the variants of it are about the same thing. They are a, I think, a really good filler game for non-gamers. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's goofy. It's just, it's a diversion that lasts. Just I mean, light. after 15, 20 minutes, you're probably bored of this game. Yeah. But it's you've good already to play while you're waiting for your minutes. food. Right. So. <clears throat> the other thing I got to play was Nexus Ops. I did not. Right. Now, this is an old uh, strategy game, like territory control kind of strategy game. And one of the things that's kind of noteworthy about it is it's in the Avalon Hill collection, and it has these neon little pieces. So, like, most of the time, you know, you get, like, a figurine out of a box, and it's, like, gray. You know, something like that. These are bright neon colored. Yeah. Like, they never intended you to paint these any other color except for the neon color that they came out of the box, just to represent the different, you know, armies that were available. And sure enough, uh, these are they're they're pretty ridiculous in person. <laughs> it wasn't my game; I played it at a game store. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things about it that that always kind of you know noteworthy of it was it was supposed to be really light and really quick. So it was supposed to take like well under an hour and still make you feel like you had like a little battle skirmish, you know. Mm-hmm. And it did that pretty well. <clears throat> so you're like you know you're buying stuff, you're getting resources based on what territories you control. You're moving certain troops around. There's a bunch of different terrain types in these hexes, and some of them you know boost this guy kind of guy, and some of them boost that kind of guy, and this kind of guy can't even go in this area, you know. And there's a tower in the middle of this thing where you get these extra power bonus cards if you control that spot. So that's highly contested. Mm-hmm. But I never once held that tower position during the game. Mm. <clears throat> I just didn't think I needed to. Because ultimately, you're getting these these sort of quest cards. You're trying to play to a certain number of victory points, and we agreed on uh, ten to begin with at the first at the first of the game. 
And after a few rounds of this, which is just, you know, moving guys in and then these guys, they have like a little stat track and everybody has the same troop types mm-hmm. or are, are available. And you just kind of look down there and it says this guy hits on a three or better. And you're like, okay, I roll my guy's die and you roll your die and you do them all simultaneous. So it's simultaneous attack. So you mm-hmm. both attack each other whenever any attack happens. Just when, regular dice? Yeah. <laughs> just six-sided dice. Okay. And you... Uh, and then whoever scores casualties, those casualties are removed, and whoever has the space at the end of it will win that space. But that doesn't necessarily mean they win the game. Because right. at the end of the game, I had far less troops the entire game than my opponent. But I was able to score more victory points through quest, like these little quest kind of cards that get you victory points. Because just winning a battle doesn't, all it does is get you one victory point technically. Okay. When you win a battle. But if you have these other cards, if you win a battle under certain circumstances, like if you use this type of troop and this type of terrain and win a battle, you get three victory points. And stuff like that can go off. Or defeat a creature using this type of, uh, this type of uh, opponent. Like, you know, a human is only hits on a six or something like that. So if you were to defeat this level, you know, this higher level guy with only a human, then you would get a, this this extra bonus. Like you get three points just for doing that. You don't even have to win the battle. Mm-hmm. And I was able to stack a bunch of those up really quickly. And it was funny how fast the game ended because we played about 35 minutes. And all of a sudden, five minutes later, I had gotten gone up from two points to 10 points and won the game. Hmm. <clears throat> Not a bad little game. I would say uh, light, light filler kind of game. I don't know how robust it would be over, like, multiple plays. I doubt you'd play it more than twice in one day, that's for sure. That's how I am with most games, though. <clears throat> right. I'd say twice would be the maximum, and you might it might come out. It depends. If you, Especially if there's nostalgia for it, for that kind of game, you know, this, this sort of, like, head-to-head die game kind of thing, you'd probably... You'd probably pick it up a little bit. I think it's yeah. I think it's a lot more easy to digest than a lot of those because of the shortened time frame. <clears throat> I like that there's quests. That intrigues me. Well, it's not really a, it's it's not really a quest so much as it is just a way to score more victory points because at the top of your turn you different. get to draw this deck from this deck of cards and it'll tell you if you do this you get more points. Right, but that's going to be different than your opponent, right? <clears throat> right. So you you have your own little personal goal. You have yeah, and they change. Yeah, over so the that's cool. Like, I like that. Do this and you'll get these many more points, and do this and you'll get those many more. You know. Yeah. Those many more. <laughs> that's a, that's an official term. That was out of these the, many that mores was out of the, and those many mores. See, I heard a clicking again. Yep, that was out of the. Uh, I don't know what that is. <clears throat> that was out of the uh, rule book, though. These many, those many. Oh. Hey hey. Hey hey. <clears throat> so uh, that's the three games we played this week. That was it. And. Beyond that, we did finish a five for five game, didn't we? Oh, yeah, finally. All right, all right. Let's go through it again and make sure we got it. Count us off, Bill. One, two, three, four. This is a five for five update. All right, Nicole. We finally finished Robinson Crusoe Voyage of the Beagle. Mm hmm. <clears throat> don't look so stern at me. I don't need that. We did it in like a week. <clears throat> Right, we played five times in one week. <laughs> it was rough. Right, that's a ninety-minute to two-hour game, pretty yeah. much every time. Well, not one time. One time it was like thirty minutes. Now, normally in this five-for-five five segment, we will talk about the game that we are reviewing and that we've played five times. But as we've played this five times, and it was in one giant campaign, we're going to debut a new segment. Right after five for five, that will cover that. 
So we'll get to Robinson here in just a second, but just know we finished our five for five, so we need to actually announce our next list, don't we? Yes. Now, this is only... This is only our uh, second list for the year, and we are at three months in, which means we're on track to play about 100 times on a 5 for 5 game, you know, total this year. Okay. Just letting you know. That's just something to think about. We're going to have to buy a lot more games. You are. I'm... It's time for you to step up. No. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to be broke. Now, the new list is this. Number one, and then we held hands. Now, we put this on there because we just got it, and we played it once, and we, we weren't that thrilled by it, and I'm afraid about it's it going to go week. into the collection and disappear, and we're not going to play it again and go, why didn't we ever play that? And it'll just not get there. So we're just going to get it out, <clears throat> play it the five times, add in the advanced rules that we didn't do, right? see what we think of it, and go from there. Right, but that means we've already played it one time. No, we don't. Oh, we don't we just count that. Cheat? No, that's okay. cheating. All right, we don't cheat. <clears throat> the next thing we're going to do is time stories. Now, the reason we're going to do this is because there's no way we could ever do time stories as a feature because it's just filled with spoilers, and this is a one-time game. Yeah, we would not do that to people. <clears throat> but under, from my understanding, it does take you a few playthroughs, so hopefully, it takes five. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> the next game is Citadels. Uh, this is a classic Fantasy Flight small game, and it's a role selection game, and you will not let me play it under any other circumstance other than a five for five. I want to get the full effect <clears throat> of it, and I know the only way that we're going to get to play right. it, which is the two of us a couple times, and play it. I want to play it with four, peop- four people, too. That's a requirement. At least four. Nope. Because then they go up to like six. You want to do a five four five W4? <laughs> What? I'm just playing with you. <laughs> five for five with four. You're... <laughs> Come on. All right. So uh, <clears throat> we will play that, and we'll probably do it under her specifications. That's right. Because I make the rules. And you're a sassy. I am sassy. <clears throat> All right. So also Valley of the Kings we're going to play, which is a small box deck builder by AEG with an Egyptian theme. It's like a deck builder game, so it's... It's been like sitting in the drawer, and I know you've played it, but I never have. Right. I've played it a couple times. It, it's all right. It looks fun. I think I'd like to play it. Right. I want to play it. It's not bad. And they already have another one out called Valley of the King's Afterlife or something like that. Huh. But I heard that it was pretty much just the same game re-released With again. mummies? I think it's like the cards are different, but the game is almost exactly the same and doesn't really change significantly at all. Weird. Right. <clears throat> and last, we're going to play Dice City five times. Uh, reason being is because it's a newer game, but it seems really short, and it seems like I don't know if it would play well as a feature or not. I don't think a lot of dice rolling <clears throat> plays that well from the experiences that we've had with them. Right. Well, <laughs> Dice City five times. <clears throat> so that's a new list. Uh, now let's get to our new segment, and let's talk about Robinson Crusoe. Sir, Recon has spotted something on the horizon. Well, what is it, soldier? Evil, sir. Lock and load. Here is an update in our struggle versus evil. Well, you don't like that, Nicole? I sound like a dork. <coughs> but then again, I'm on a podcast. This is our new uh, segment. It's called <laughs> Struggle versus Evil. And this is where we revisit games with a campaign-style play. 
this gives us a chance because a lot of times we get stuck in this five for five mode where we don't feel like we can play any other games. And there's a lot of games that we need to play more than once that we don't ever get to. But we don't want to play them five times because let's be real. Well, some campaigns have like 10 missions. I'm well, supposed to play it five times, put the game back on the shelf, and get to it when I do. Yeah, but some never. of them I just want to play them again. But I don't know. Anyhow. So this is our new segment, uh, Struggle versus Evil. And we just wanted to get you a new jingle out there. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we're going to talk about the Robinson campaign in its entirety right now. We would normally talk about maybe an episode of the campaign or some sort of moment that was important to us in the campaign. But in this case, we're going to talk about the entire one at, for the debut all together for Voyage of the Beagle. For Voyage of the Beagle. Oh, you said all together. I thought we were going to say it at the same time. Oh. For Voyage, Voyage of the, the Beagle. Beagle. That was terrible. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say all together anymore then. All right. All together. Voyage, Voyage of, the of the Beagle. Beagle. This is going to be sucky. All right. <laughs> so uh, the first mission you play, you play five missions in this. And this does follow, follow, this follows uh, Charles Darwin. And his little adventures on his ship, the Beagle, and the Galapagos Islands, which I guess is what this is supposed to be in now. Oh, and it just kind of follows, yeah, it follows his his sort of, you know, research there, which I don't I don't think this is in any way representative of what actually happens there. But I doubt it. It just sort of... There was nothing about birds. Right. I would say from a historical standpoint, this absolutely falls flat. No finches, <clears throat> no tortoises. Right. That's really the extent of my Darwin right. knowledge. I mean, we're, we're collecting... Uh, so in the first one, we are supposed to gather specimens, uh, which is, includes like carnivorous plants, mm-hmm. rare beasts, fossils, and unique sets is what they said or something like that, which was just weird. I don't know. This is another one of these ones where like in the base game, you're supposed to survive. Like in the base idea, the very basic idea of the game, you're supposed to survive by creating shelter for yourself making the shelter you know sturdy with a roof and a palisade like a wall around it you know and defensible you know and then survive against the elements and build a big campfire that you know build tools that signals for other people and yeah and you can build tools and all these things you can do build to a sort pit of survive so that right. you can capture animals and eat them later <clears throat> right and this one it uh it, it kind of like most of the most of the, in the base game, most of them kind of revolved around that. The basic idea is to survive. It's a survival game. And then they add some other element on top of it, like save Jenny or build a rescue fire or, you know, try to survive the volcano that's erupting or something right. like that. <clears throat> and this one's not really much different than that. In this base one, you're trying in the very beginning. You are trying to gather these specimens we talked about, and you do them under a lengthy amount of rules to add on to this. Like how you have to do certain things to gather specific ones. Like this rare beast can only pop up when this symbol pops up, and you know. You was it on have, the card, or was it on the island that that popped up? It was, it was on, on the island. It was on it? the island, but you had to actually create a cage. Which you had to build something else before you could build the cage. Right. Then you had limited number of cages that you could you could fill them with. And what's funny is is you don't realize at mission one is that mission one is like the overarching story for the entire rest of the game. Right. <clears throat> so truly you could spend I don't know how many sessions trying to have a perfect mission one if you really wanted to and continue the campaign from there, because from there you just reset at the beginning of each chapter, right? And you're supposed to play each chapter over again until you beat it and then move on to the next chapter, right? 
<clears throat> so, I mean, with unlimited redos at chapter one, you could just keep doing it over and over and over again until you get the perfect card draws and perfect luck to make it to the next one with the, you know... With the most resources. With the most resources you could possibly get. Right. Now, playing a two-player game, they do abbreviate the game a little bit so that we could uh, have less resources than we were supposed to. But none of that mattered. <clears throat> because due to bad card draws and mm -hmm. the way the deck came up, we got our butts kicked so bad that all we ever did was gather like three carnivorous plants and were completely annihilated by storms and stuff like that. We all just lost hit points and died. Yeah. Which so, I don't think happened to Darwin. <clears throat> no, it didn't at all. No. And I don't think he was getting carnivorous plants either. No. <laughs> but <clears throat> so that that's what happened in round one. But we're playing a five for five and we want to report on as much of this as possible. So we this this game does feature a way to jump into the next mission with sort of a beginning start or what would be expected if you did, you know, okay in the first in the first mission. So you can jump into mission two if you had not like kept track of your game and lost your stats or whatever. Or if you just didn't, you read the <clears throat> synopsis for the first one and said, eh, that doesn't sound interesting, let's play the next one. Right, so we just used that, jumped into mission two, where we found our ship had shown up and it was broken and we needed to fix it, which involved, you know, surviving again. Right, which, which you that's were, fine. Which you were already sort of surviving because it does continue the first game and it continues your hit points of damage, etc. But... In this case, you have to do a bunch of collecting and a bunch of stuff under a time duress that's a little bit stronger than the first one because a storm's coming in, and you're trying to collect wood and all kinds of you know fallen trees because that's what it was—a storm blew trees over, and we had to collect fallen trees. Well, it broke the ship. <clears throat> yeah, in addition to wood, we had to get you know a new mast. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff you had to fix, and fixing stuff during the mission gave you special abilities you know that you could use off of the ship as if they were inventions. And in this one, we uh, we won really easily, I thought. Yeah. Because we fixed the entire ship to, up to the highest level and finished like a couple rounds before the, you know, end of end of what would be the game. Right. <clears throat> so that was like... Because we were sailing during it and right. during the storm, too. So it kept kind of re-breaking, but it was pretty easy to fix. Wasn't that on that level? No. Yeah, it was. No, we're talking about level two where we'd put the the big squares up against the ship map because there's a ship tile on this and you can see holes all over the ship and we right, actually put we, these special little things out. Yeah, and the little thing kept, the <clears throat> tracker kept moving down because we had to roll to nope, for which parts like that. No, that's the next one. You're completely, completely confused. Well, then you. you just talk. I'm going to have to. No, you just keep going. I'm going to have to. Okay, I'm shutting up now. <clears throat> so, in round two, your, your ship is docked and not getting broken and you're fixing it. And, you, and as you fix it, you're going to have these certain levels that you create for the next one based on how much you fix it during the first during that second round. And that's all you do. After you fix the ship, you know, based on where you are at the end of it, you fix it to a certain level. And based on how many resources it is, that's just how much you fix the ship. Then you flip the ship over, the whole ship thing over, and then there's these tracking spots where you could track how many hit points they have. And if you fixed it to the maximum, you could put it at the maximum hit points. And if not, it went down. And now you're sailing. Now, this is the big departure oh, right. okay. in this entire game. Okay? Because now you just kind of get rid of all the island tiles, scoop them off, and you're left with your little hex grid of spaces. <clears throat> and you start putting, like, these little island, these little weird island kind of cutouts on, onto these spaces, and then you put these little encounter tokens that are represent various ship, you know, difficulties or, or sea difficulties that you your ship will have to deal with. And you have a little ship token that kind of sails across it. Now this completely right. breaks the game as far as, as as far as like what you're basically playing. You don't 
You're not trying to build a shelter. You're still eating food. You have to land on islands to gather resources now. <clears throat> and you have to check the shoals on this one. So you're like going through and doing tests. And this mission was terrible. It was boring. I think that's why I got it confused. Right. Now, see, all, all the spaces on this can be damaged, and, you're, and you have to constantly repair your ship during this because the longer you're out at sea, the more damage the Beagle takes because you're doing all this supposedly during a storm. Right. So it storms every round, and it blows up parts of your ship. Your ship's getting damaged all over the place, and you're having to waste, you know, waste uh, worker actions to try to fix the ship back up again <clears throat> and get across the seas. And now it sounds like it's interesting. It is not it's it's like a partially realized variation of this, and it's just not fun. Yeah. It's just not. It was like a totally different game at that point. It, it was half a game. Yeah. At best. It was just, it was not fun at all. We we walked all over it, just sailed right through it, gathered all the shoal, shoal info we needed, and went right through it like it was no big deal. And Is just that the felt, one that lasted us like 30 minutes? <clears throat> yes. And now yeah. all these, I'm going to just say this. All of these missions have like two full pages of rules that I have to read in two different spots. Yeah. So I have to read them on the in the instruction book, and then I have to read them on the actual mission cards. And I'm and it's just like and the mission cards like another half a page, so you get like three half pages of stuff. And it's just it's a lot of little dense written rules with little special tokens that have to go in and variating and stuff like that. And in the end, I'm playing the base game again with just like. I don't know variants on top that don't make it any better. It seemed like, especially in they this didn't make third any sense one. Sense on some of them. In this third one, they're like, "Hey, play a game that's not Robinson Crusoe and not really fun." Is how it felt. <laughs> and that's the middle one. That's like the the hump, you know. Uh-huh. That's Wednesday. <laughs> so then, at number four, you, for some reason, you land on an island, and you decide to investigate some tribes and get secrets from them, tribal secrets from them. And you do this by bribing them, by giving away a whole bunch of your resources to them or that are specific to what they would like and trying to keep them from uh, disliking you, right? Right. <clears throat> so we waste a whole bunch of time doing that, and it's just the same thing. Survive on an island and do something else. And in this case, it's just not interesting. You're chasing these little guys around I, and just trying to out, them. Well, it started out interesting because I thought, ooh, we're going to get their, tar, tar, their tribal secret. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. was, there was no secret. Tribal secret a was a blue cube. Yeah, it's just a token you get. I right. didn't realize that. You kind of realized, you realized that because you read the rules first. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that. So I kept waiting <clears> for like this secret to pop up. And now we've got like some new quest right. or something we're going to get to do. It, it, it was just get the cube. Right. Well, once again, this was... Uh, really easy and we beat it really simply and it just wasn't enough going on and it just seemed like we were playing the basic version of Robinson without the challenge or the fun (laughs) and so we finished that and we go to level five the the final one the fifth fifth mission and this one it's now been like a couple years or like a year or something like that since we got our specimens and all our specimens are about to die. They're all sick and all of us are sick. And you start with these, you know, heavily damaged. Everybody's heavily damaged. All your specimens are about to die and you have to do stuff that's specific. Like it seems very kind of carbon copy to what the first one was where they give you so many little mini tasks you have to take care of that you're just like, oh, man, if I don't survive really easily, we're going to die quick. Right. And we died quick. Right. We played 30 minutes. On the final game before we were dead. 
Yeah. And we never, all of our hit points were so low, we couldn't absorb any damage. We couldn't get our, our survival stuff up fast enough. So in the end, well, it we damaged did... you before you even started <clears throat> on right, that one. Right. Because we're sick. Right. And you get no chance to try to get back up again. We were wasting time immediately trying to rest people and heal them and try to get, you know, keep our morale up. Turns. It's like you start at morale minus three. And you're all down to like four hit points left. Well, in morale, if, if you're <clears throat> negative, you're losing hit points right. already. Mm-hmm. And when you lose hit points, you lose morale. Right. So you couldn't spend enough turns making yourself better to not lose morale so that you would not just die. It was just right. very impossible. Right. It was It was like uh, by the – this one, they, they started you so handicapped, you were done. Yeah. <clears throat> There's no way you were going to beat this. I'm sure you can, but it's going to have to be the perfect storm to beat it, which, you know, really left a a pretty bad impression of this campaign overall. Yeah. Because it starts with way too hard, and all the points you're going to get at the end of the game are based on what you do in in, in the first game. If you do really well, you have the potential for a lot of points. If you do really poorly, you have the potential for very little. So you can tell how good your your end result's going to be almost right out of the gate and just stop, which is a strange way to start a game. Right. You know, there's no way to redeem yourself. You're just kind of, you know, well, do I want to keep going or start again? Yeah. And at that point, you know, like I said, then you play the first mission 50 times. The next three missions are completely forgettable, wasting your time just to get to mission five, (laughs) where it's so insanely hard. You're just going to restart it 50 times until you get the right result. Right. And then you can say, yay, I'm the best Robinson player ever. Or you can just scrap the expansion. Right. And play the base game. This is going on our trade pile immediately. Yeah. Hate to say it, because I really <clears throat> like the base game still. Right. Still. Right. I really almost like the first part of it, except that it made it... <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I don't think we ever hunted, but like one time in the base, or in the, in the first uh, campaign... I think we did hunt just because. I think we got a couple of the of the rare beasts or something like that. I don't know. Well, I, I don't, don't even think know. we had to hunt for them. No, in fact, they popped up because we flipped the right <laughs> tile. We we went hunting only to survive. We we got really hammered that first game, so yeah. that we couldn't make it. It was it. It just took like half the game away and just flushed it. Right. Is what it felt like. So ultimately, I would say pass on this expansion. It really does nothing. To improve the game, it only adds content at the cost of fun. Yeah. Now, what would you rate this expansion out of five? One. You'd say one. I did not like it. I would say probably a two, but only if you're massively desperate and a huge Robinson fan and you've got to have something. Just know that this is not better than anything in in the main game. It's just more stuff but, but it's not an improvement upon the stuff right. in the main game it's different but i don't think it's better like the the main game even when they would change the the missions i didn't feel like they screwed them up right this one i just felt like they screwed them up <clears throat> well with this after playing it five more times and we've had the game a year now and we we rated this this was our first episode like a year ago last february would you say that your rating for robinson has changed i was what was i before you were five, five. yeah I don't know. I still really like the base game. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe a four. Right. I'm doing the same. I'm dropping my rating from of Robinson from a five to a four. I think that this 
The one thing this did expose for me is that that sort of ability of the game to just annihilate you sometimes without anything, you, you know, you doing anything wrong, just being a victim of bad event draws at the wrong time. Yeah. And that they have a layering effect that can sometimes go off. And maybe that's maybe that's not a fault to some people. To me, <clears throat> it just, you know, it sort of makes me pretty mad that I set up a game, shuffle a bunch of decks, get everything ready to go, and spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes getting this all set and ready, and then have an experience where I die in 30 minutes. Yeah. On well, a 90-minute game. And for me, it's just kind of opened the door to realize that, no, we didn't play every single mission in the base game. No. Some of those may suck just as bad, <laughs> and right. I couldn't say. So right. so, so finally a four on that. I'm right. Robinson. So passing the expansion, I said two on the expansion. She said one. We both say that our new Robinson Crusoe rating is a four. <clears throat> and that's all we have about Robinson. And that is our new segment, Struggle versus Evil. So we'll be having other games coming up in the future that are going to be included on this segment and will be a little less complete as far as how much we describe each. Uh, what's that? that? Car somebody alarm? honking outside. Uh, so, <laughs> Weird. so that's, that, that'll be coming up, uh, you know, in the future, we'll be doing more episodes of stuff, hopefully stuff that we've tried before. Well, no, it will be stuff we've done before. <clears throat> okay. So that's going to bring us around to our peaked interest this week, because on our guild, some people started some discussions. Let's find out what they are. Wow, would you look at that? Magnificent. Here are some peaked interests. All right, this week uh, on our guild, Robert asked what games we would refuse to play. Like if someone tried to say, hey, you're going to play this, what are on the no playlist, I think is what he specifically said. Now he said that his wife decides what is on the no list. (laughs) <laughs> and that she says ghost stories because it says he said that she feels like it like getting mugged and says this is fun for you question mark <laughs> <laughs> feels like getting mugged that's awful. Uh, pandemic because it feels just meh to her that makes me sad forbidden island and desert so she's not a Matt Leacock fan I like desert I don't like island so much right sorrow of the seas haven't played uh, the grizzled <laughs> I like that one that one's punishing uh, and uh, mermies. Mermies? Mermies? M-Y-R-M-E-S. Mermies? I don't know. Anyways, she she didn't care about that because it felt inscripted. Uh, So, I don't agree with all those, but I don't disagree with all those. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what some other guild members listed as their least favorites. Uh, Brendan said that his wife hated Loop Inc. And that his son doesn't like competitive games like King of Tokyo, whereas his daughter likes competitive games and dislikes cooperative. It's because your daughter likes to beat up beat up her brother. That's what that is. <laughs> is she older? Maybe. I think she is. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Glenn said he won't play Aquasphere or Ghost Stories. We've got Aquasphere upstairs unopened. Glenn must be the one. He was the one He's that He's the one said who hates it, yeah. Aquasphere is meh. <laughs> he says his wife won't play Ghost Stories, Arkham Horror, or any direct conflict games. Arkham Horror, I had to, I didn't like it the first time we played, and I actually quit playing right. after however many hours because I had to go to bed to right. go to work. But I gave it another shot, and I actually didn't dislike it. It's not bad. It's Once just, I got the hang of it. It's just not as interesting as Eldritch. I still like Eldritch <clears throat> way more. Right. So uh, Last, David added, 
<coughs> that his no playlist are the games that his family can't stand. Uh, he <laughs> says Kalis, a god-awful game. See, I've heard it was good. He says Duel of Ages is boring. Factory Fun, the family cannot stand it. I've looked at that one a couple times, but I know you wouldn't want to play it. <clears throat> he said Besieged was overly complex for no reason. That's never good. Rune Wars 3rd Edition, the Fate deck sucks. And that we- also makes me sad because <clears throat> I love 2nd Edition. Like, right. love. Right. Love, love. He says any 18xx game is super boring. I don't know who that is. <clears throat> I think those are done by Academy Games. Possibly. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it'll just be like 1876 or whatever, and it'll be like some war game. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right. Never tried one. <clears throat> so we've never played uh, any of those games, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we came close to Duel of Ages 2 once when Daniel brought we it over. Rune, well, not third edition Rune Wars. Right. right. We haven't played any of these games. So Sorry, uh, as is standard on our show, show we do not give denominations. Uh, we give denominations of five. You know, no more, no less. <laughs> so Unless you're me. <laughs> unless you're a cheater. Uh, what? So now we present to you the five games that we will not play. That I won't and she won't. Yeah, you go ahead. Do you your, want me to go first? You go first. Okay, I have six on here. <laughs> no more, no but I'm less. But I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to go with what I say, okay? Here we go. I'm crossing <laughs> off the last one. Yeah, I put six because you do honorable mentions so often. I thought I might be able to be included in that, but I guess you didn't do that this time. <laughs> You're going to hate my list anyway. You always <laughs> do, so there you go. All right, uh, number five. Uh, I'm trying to decide what the order of these should actually be. I would say number five would be Munchkin. That's the I fifth would, worst. See, I would totally play Munchkin. I'd skip it every time. I think it's such a pointless endeavor. It's kind of fun. Well, unless it lasts too long <clears throat> and you screw it up. Or like we play through the entire deck in Space Munchkin four times in an hour and 45 minutes and we're like, this is stupid. We're that all still time, second level. That one time. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just saying I would play it. I won't. Okay. I'm just, I skipped that game. What's your number five? Chess. Chess. Freaking hate it. hate chess. <clears throat> Tried playing it against the computer. Still right. don't like chess. Yes. It's, games are supposed to be fun. Right. No one plays chess for fun. They play it because they think they're smart. Right. And if you are that person, I think I've said this before. This feels very familiar, but you said it because I, I talked about the video game version. Okay, yeah. Well, no, no offense to anybody who's who's a big chess fan, but it's just not fun for me. Right. It's I mean, I think I'd probably not have very much fun big playing chess. Smarty pants competition, and I'm not going to win. I, I don't. I don't have that much fun. I mean, I really gave it. I gave a good shot on that app, trying to make sure it. You know, it did something, and the app was really realized until they started saying you're almost out of free plays i was probably going to keep it and keep trying to practice at <laughs> nope. it but i was just terrible because truly they're able to read like three or four rounds ahead or moves ahead and i just don't i just don't have the patience to get my mind trained to do it i, think. I don't have the care to <clears throat> get my mind <laughs> number four number four ghost stories I sold our copy of Ghost I Stories. I, I hated it that much. I don't like it. I really don't like <clears throat> right. that game. But if somebody came up and said, would you play this with me? I would go, okay. I, I would probably say, look, I'm, I'm, I have a really bad history with this game. Is If there's something else we can play, that'd be great. I, I mean, I just don't really like it. Okay. Because it's, it's punishing, to say the least. Yeah. What's your number four? I had to be kind of generic on some of mine. Yeah. 
any RPG like Dungeons and Dragons or Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> if I if I have a piece of paper in front of me and I have to make my own character, right? Not my game. Weird. And then you're gonna like tell <clears throat> me a story and make me roll a die to see what happens in that story. <clears throat> Where I find that you fall off the end on these is when I say. This person says this to you. What do you say back? You're like, I don't want to say something back. That's when you really break out and say, I'm not doing this. Yeah. You're like, I'm not improving a character right now. I'm not going to if you I'm give not going to improv. I'm done with that. If it's like a choose your own adventure, I would do that. Right. You can choose go to the north and go to the mountains or go to the south and hit the beach. I would right. give an option. I would pick an option. But <laughs> eh, meh. Yeah, I know. You won't do D&D. It's not my thing. All right. My number three is A Few Acres of Snow. Okay. Got rid of this one, too. Yep. <laughs> this game, uh, you somehow you spend three and a half hours doing very, very little. Yeah. And it's just, it's. I know it's, you know, really tightly balanced and really, you know, tight gameplay, but it's at the, you know, at the cost of, of excitement. That you just sit there and go, okay, I move this to here and I move that to there. And it's just, ugh. It was kind of numbing. Oh, my God. Three and a half hours later, I'm just like, is this game going to end? I'm about to throw it just so we can stop playing. That's how that <laughs> game feels. Because you get, it's just, it's awful. It's yeah. an exercise in patience the whole time. I didn't hate it as much as you, but I still didn't like it. I know. But okay. it's gone, so we don't have to worry about it. That's right. <laughs> so if someone asked me to play that, I would say no. I would actually just say, I'm sorry, I can't. If somebody asked me to play it, I would probably just tell them, I don't think I'm the one you're looking for to play that game to have fun. Right. You Jedi mind trick them. <laughs> I, I'm not the player you're looking for. They'd be like, yeah. She's not the for. player I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You need a hero. <laughs> What's your number three? <laughs> My number three is magic, but not in general, just specifically against anyone who really, really, really loves that game what? or any other collectible card game would fall in that same category mm -hmm. against somebody who's like really into it. Like I would play magic with you. Right. But I'm not going to the game store and playing against anyone <clears throat> because they are going to make fun of me. Well, and they're not going to have patience for you. Well, no, not that Because either. they've played it thousands of times and they're going to do that kind of thing where they just go slap, 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 slap. Your turn. Slap, 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 slap. He dies. Slap, 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 slap. You take this much. Your turn. What and happened? You're like, this is terrible. <laughs> you know? They're not going to have patience to teach me what I'm doing. They're not going to have patience to, right. to say, that's a dumb move. Right. It'd just be awful. <laughs> it would be awful. It would be a bad experience for everyone involved. Right. Number two for me, classic Monopoly. Really? I will not play that game. It's so bad. It, there's just some point... And I'm not saying I'm saying the game is is okay up to a certain point, but it overstays its welcome by a factor of ten. Yeah, because there is a point in that game where you are just going around the board and having a terrible time, waiting to run out of money. I don't know. I don't think it's as terrible. I, I if you play it by the house rules, can't do I it. agree. I don't want to play that. Well, I'm, sa I'm saying even when you mortgage, you're able to mortgage stuff and everything like that, and you'll run out of money, and there's no loans from other players. All that. Is out the you know all that stuff is out the window. You will have a terrible ending where you are rolling the die and waiting to run out of money. Okay. And there's I don't I don't feel like there's much of a comeback. I doubt. I mean, maybe people have their stories. They can let let us know in the guild about their miracle. You know, I mortgaged everything, Monopoly comebacks, but I'm gonna be. 
<laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna struggle to believe them <laughs> if there are the, such a thing. I got to admit, though, I'm curious. <clears throat> There's so many different monopolies out there. Right. What's everybody's favorite monopoly? Oh. Like if you had to pick one. Right. I saw a really weird monopoly the other day. Yeah. It was the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Monopoly. Ugh. That's just weird. <laughs> uh, like, I don't, I don't, I don't care understand. for any of those variants. I don't know what you would do. I'm sure it just has any kind, like, a, a you know, there's probably this formula of you need 30 references to whatever subject you're doing, and you make those Monopoly spaces, and then you do, like, little metal pieces that look like little items from that movie. Yeah. And then you... Do you oh, think? Oh god, it's terrible. Okay, so but like the original Monopoly game, all the right. little towns or all the little spaces are are based on New Jersey or Atlantic City specifically. Right. So do you think they left those alone for that? Since <clears throat> Kevin Smith's from New Jersey anyway. I don't. I don't know. I don't even <laughs> want to even investigate at all. <laughs> okay, so you right. have no favorite variation. You're just like, nah. I, I said I like Tropical Tycoon because it has victory points rather than money. But I'm talking theme. Like if you had to pick a different Monopoly theme, not like a different Monopoly game. I don't game. care. It's the same game every time. <laughs> okay. It, it's ultimately <laughs> I end up whirling dice waiting to lose the game or somebody else does. And they have a really bad time for so 45 minutes. You don't want to play the Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare Before Christmas, Nightmare on Elm no. Street one. <laughs> I, lost I my wouldn't mind. play that one either. <laughs> I would totally play that one. I won't play any of those. Only if I could be Freddy Krueger for a change. No. Anyway. All right. You're number two. <laughs> Uh, miniature games where you have to actually measure, measure the distances to the other minis. Really? Yeah. You're scared like of those. The Warhammer. If it doesn't have a grid, you don't want anything to do with it. But that includes the X-Wing. I don't, I don't want to play that. <laughs> and that one mostly because I'm a klutz. That right. one, you have to get it perfectly measured and I <clears throat> knock things over. And Right. I mean, we just saw like Barnes and Noble putting those games on sale, like we believed. Yeah. Some of those starter so. packs and we were like, skip. Yeah. Well, we have the starter. <laughs> we have a so. bunch of stuff that we don't want. Because you know? I can't play it without I knocking don't really it over. Play it either I didn't have fun. But yeah, if you have to measure your distance, it's not my game. I've had an okay time with some measure your distance games, but you waste a lot of time moving stuff in those games. A lot of stuff is like, oh, I got to move just perfectly behind this bush, and then you get in arguments about what's obscure and what isn't mm-hmm. because you couldn't quite make the last little quarter inch or you know the tail of your model sticking out from behind this bush. Mm-hmm. So obviously he has partial line of sight, right? And you're to like, your Ugh, tail, you can't kill this, somebody this, by hitting him in the this tail. Is, this is ceasing to be fun really quick. Exactly. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I mildly agree, but I still, I still, you know, have fond memories of playing games like that. Okay. And your number uh, one? Number one is Risk and Axis and Ally games. Just in general? Yes. Anything where I move tons of troops around a map and we roll dice, basically where it comes down to, we're just rolling dice to see who rolls higher every time I do an action. I do not like those games. They take me to a bad place and I don't want to play them. I do not like them. The, the result of that is, is that you're going to get me to the table. I'm going to grudgingly agree to do it, and I'm going to end up smoking mad, okay, mm-hmm. by halfway through the game, if not right off the bat, and I never will recover. <laughs> so is this like a spoiler <clears throat> alert? <laughs> no. Okay. This is, this, is, this is just a fact. I don't like those games. And, and one of the big things about those games is they overstay their welcome by a mile, the the higher the luck, the shorter the game needs to be. That's uh-huh. just a fact. 
and and that's that's my formula for games so if the luck is sky high like if, if every dice roll i do is going to matter whether i win the game or not that's the way you're going to decide the game that game needs to be like shorter and shorter and shorter and these things should never be over an hour if okay. risk and Axis and allies and all their all the their ilk <laughs> were were an hour or less, I could kind of put up with them and at least go good. Can we move on to something else? But when I when I get to the point where I'm like good, can we move on to something else? And we're not even at the halfway point. It's terrible for me. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to point out two ironic things. What? One, you like Star Wars Risk. Star Wars Risk does not play like that at all. There's a definite ending. It ends in one hour. <laughs> and two. And it's varied, too. There's all sorts of different games going on. <laughs> Go ahead. Your whole list was specific games, and <clears throat> right. the last one was very generalized. Right. My whole list was very generalized, but my last one is a very specific game. Which one is it? D-Day Dice. <laughs> That's your Freaking, least favorite game I, ever? I won't play it. It's broke. And so if someone was sitting there like... Hello, Mrs. Kroger. <laughs> and you're like, what, Billy? Will you play the D-Day Dice with me? Nope. <laughs> oh, it was a gift from my daddy before he passed oh away. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew it. It's horrible. You're still going to say no. Billy would never come up to me anyway. Kids don't like me. Kids look at me and go, she's weird. And they run away. I don't okay. I don't know what it is. <laughs> they have to learn to get to know me. D-Day Dice, a very unforgiving. I, I mean, to me, it's just as unforgiving as Ghost Stories. To me, it's the same game. Because well, really. it's broken. <laughs> My number six was D-Day Dice. <laughs> I knew it. It's, it's it's a little bit more fun than Ghost Stories, and that's no, about it. it's not. To me, it is. Ghost Stories is theoretically possible. <laughs> D-Day Dice is mathematically impossible, and we proved it before. So we're not going into it today. Well, Listen okay. to episode whatever that was. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to end this list because this is a very negative thing. And I want to end it with one of those those sort of positive things, you know, like that. Just say that the main thing to remember is that when you turn down a game, you are, you know, you are potentially an ambassador of the hobby to whoever you're saying no to. Okay. God, now I really feel bad. How is so this when positive? you tell Billy that you won't play his dead father's game. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Someone has spent their hard-earned money, though, seriously, yeah. buying a game, and they have spent their time on top of that money, not only their time earning the money, but their time on top of that to learn this game, and they're trying to share that with you and give you you know, the fruits of their effort, and that's a gift. And, I mean, it's not to be taken for granted, really. So whenever you're making sure, you know, you know, make sure that you're not being an elitist or causing someone to be turned off by the hobby. And remember that people show up at game night, especially like a game night kind of thing, hoping that you'll play not only the games you brought, but maybe play one of their games as well, because they want to give give as well. So you should allow them that chance. OK, sometimes that means you play a game that's not your favorite. I've done that many times. I played Machi Koro last week, didn't I? You offered. I did not ask. <clears throat> Yes, you did. You've asked me so many times. You have no idea. Now, just to make sure everyone's being treated uh, fairly, you should do this, okay? And you never know, playing Monopoly with someone, like if I do that, it might lead to someone, you know, playing, bringing hobby games next week or some game I really, really like or really want to enjoy, and they might become one of my favorite people to play with. I'm going to pay somebody. I'm going to tell to them To come no. up to you. <laughs> Mr. Kruger. Yes, Billy, go ahead. Will you play Risk with me? No, Billy, I can't do that. Oh, 
Bad diarrhea, Billy. Sorry. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> See, bad diarrhea beats dead dad, doesn't it? Ew. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I didn't know it was a competition. <laughs> Moving right We just went along. past where Nicole wants to go. So, the line uh, has been crossed. Now, this week we played a game set in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Let's see uh, what about that. All these games have been All right. Now, whether or not you have played Dungeons & Dragons, you have definitely been exposed to its influence on pop culture, be it the role-playing genre of games, role-playing video games, fantasy movies, books, artwork. I mean, a variety of things, honestly. It's, let's, let's just say that, that Dungeons & Dragons has got around. It's part of culture. Let's, let's be honest. Any kind of like fantasy you know, setting at all at this point is getting inspiration. Like, I would say that... You know, Lord of the Rings probably inspired Dungeons and Dragons that then inspired the movies that they made afterwards, you know, as far as the look and how they were handled, especially the Hobbit movies. So let me say this. If I say the phrase Dungeons and Dragons monster, what comes to mind? Was it a dragon or something else? Think of something else. And I'll bet that you're able to because Dungeons and Dragons borrowed from everyone, even Nicole, <laughs> with the experience of about a couple role playing sessions of Dungeons and Dragons, can and, actually come up with a top five Dungeons and Dragon monsters. And we played the <clears throat> the Legend of Dritz and Raven right. Raven. What is it? Raven Castle Ravenloft. Ravenloft. Thank you. Uh huh. Right. We played those. Right. Um. This one's D and D. I mean, right. seriously, and the internet helps. Right. I, I looked up stuff. <laughs> so we are going, doing a second top five in the same episode. This is bonkers. I know. We're blowing the doors off of this right now. <laughs> this is our, I mean, this is our top five Dungeons and Dragons monsters. Okay. You have to start this time. Go. Okay, I will start number this Number five. Time. I thought you were going to try and, like, steal my thunder because my, my number five is, of course, the Beholder. The Beholder. That's the thing you think of whenever you think of D&D. <clears throat> Is that what you think of? Yes. You don't think of a dragon. No. I think of a dragon laid back and he's breathing fire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was much better than my little <laughs> puff to magic I know. dragon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Beholder. But here's the thing. Here's what I like about it. Right. I, I have this image in my head. Right. That... What was his name? Gygax? Is that how you pronounce it? Gary Gygax? Right. See? Hey, hey. Whoa. I picture that at one point in his life, when he was a kid or growing <clears throat> up, he watched an episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Where they had that chick. She's got like, she's in a hospital bed. And she's got bandages all around her head. Right. And she's like, I just hope that they've been able to fix me. I hope that I, I look normal. And they take the bandages off of her, and she's such a pretty girl. She looks great. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I can't believe it. I'm hideous. And, and like, it moves on, and you pan to the doctors, and they're all really disgusting, trolly-looking people. Right. And the episode is called Eye of the Beholder. Right. So I feel like he was watching that, and then he doodled, like, a big eye, <clears throat> and then he went, ooh, and just, like, drew the creature around that. Now, I'm not going to burst your bubble here. <laughs> okay. But I don't know for a fact that Gary Gygax designed the Beholder. 
Maybe not, but... Because there's tons of contributors to Dungeons & Dragons. Well, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it says his name under the beholder. Does it? It did. So you think he designed that? If that's Who true, knows? that's amazing. But whoever it was, I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. They were watching The Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm going to say that he watched Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> there's it a beholder came out guy after. in there. <laughs> it, that came out like 1980-something. This was in the 1970s. All these monsters kind of evolved over the course of the game. But it was 1974, I think it said that it first came about. Really? I looked it up, Well sir. done, Nicole. You're blowing my mind. Self five. <laughs> my number five is the Wraith. The Wraith in the classic Dungeons & Dragons game was this undead creature, and the, it was sort of a higher level, because I think the original game only went up to level 18. And this was a character, a creature that would show up somewhere around like 10 or 11. And the Wraith had this horrible effect of level draining someone. So like in the game, you gain experience by killing monsters, and you kill a whole bunch of these monsters, and I mean a whole bunch of monsters, like hours of effort to gain a level. And the level gives you this little boost in stats and everything like that. So you become more powerful overall, and everything you have becomes a little better because you are better yourself. So mm-hmm. armor that you wear is a little tougher because you're tougher underneath the armor. So all of a sudden, this creature comes up who can just do this attack and touch you, and you lose a level. That's horrible. It's the worst because it's not just like, oh, I found a magic sword, and now I lost my magic sword. It's like, nope, I lost three and a half hours of my life tonight. <laughs> That is terrible. So it's it's probably one of the most infamous. I mean, take all your magic weapons and throw them in the trash. Just don't take my level. That's how I felt about the Wraith. Wow. Okay. Number four, Nicole. Well, I didn't do that much research, but... <laughs> you didn't play the game for enough hours to fight a Wraith? No. Oh. But based on the descriptions, the okay. Flame Skull... It's a floating, fiery <laughs> skull created from a dead wizard. Well, That sounds amazing. It's pretty cool. I want to fight one of those. It's cool. How come we don't see those in any of the little games we play? <clears throat> I don't know if one's in there or not. We have a flaming skeleton remember. in one of the games. That's not the same. Right. This skull, the whole the, skeleton, who cares? He's walking on around fire. on his little skeleton feet. This guy's just floating around there all on fire. Right. And they're, they're a higher level thing. I, I've had them in a couple of, of games, and they kind of floated around the background and shot fireballs at people and just were a nuisance. <laughs> You know? That's awesome. Right. Pretty cool. My number four is something called the Tarrasque. Now, the Tarrasque is, I mean, a lot of people would say it's the ultimate monster in Dungeons & Dragons, and everybody has to have one. Now, this is a a monster that, on paper and in in play, is more dangerous than the biggest dragon in the entire game. It's basically invulnerable to everything, and it's that ultimate creature. The point isn't to, like frustrate the characters the point is to bolster the characters you know the players feelings about their characters so you have them like i had my character my players fight a tarasque in my in my fourth edition campaign when they were about level 28 just so you know you only go up to 30 in level four so they're nearing the end of the game and i have them fight a tarasque it's the perfect juggernaut and it gives them this sense of accomplishment when they're able to sort of escape it or subdue it for momentarily before it re- regenerates and comes back to life. And uh, they handled it like with reverence and panic whenever I was doing it. The thing was scrambling mm-hmm. across walls and leaping off. It's this giant Tyrannosaurus Rex-sized creature bounding around the room on all fours and See, it's now this is covered where you lose with me. horns. 
This is where you lose me in the D and D stuff again. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm picturing <laughs> wait, this. Wait, wait, and... your character sees a Tarrasque. What does he say? Oh, bummer. What's that? He never would even say that. He'd be like, I don't even know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my number four, a Tarrasque. What's your number three, Nicole? A gelatinous cube. <clears throat> really? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You know, okay. And th- I guess this is like the epitome of all the other gelatinous creatures that they developed. They've got a bunch of there's slime like, there's creatures. There's slimes and puddings. Right. Pudding. But I can't imagine if you see something like this, who's going to like go after it? You just don't touch it. You just kind of walk the other no, no, way. No, no, no. The whole point of the gelatinous cube is it's almost imperceptible, and it, it it's used by like create like like someone will create a dungeon, and in order to clean it up, they put this giant gelatin cube in the in the dungeon that just slimes its way through the hallways, picking up everything that's just laying in the hallways, bones and dead animals and rats or whatever mm-hmm. and all this stuff gets sucked up into it and just sort of floats there so you see it <clears throat> not the cube part though like it's 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 hard to perceive the actual cube because it's almost completely translucent well here's how i interpreted that like the best use of any of these jelly-like creatures would be uh-huh. to have like a swimming pool there available like it just looks like a swimming pit swimming hole watering hole if you will because then like the crusaders would go and actually touch it try and get in the water and it would suck them in <laughs> no possibly but that's not there how it, that's not how it's implemented it's implemented in that's a dark, only way a I dark can dungeon it. where light just passes right through it yeah and people just walk into it and you actually you are would. rolling these sort of checks to see if they notice it you're totally gonna notice <laughs> a bunch of bones floating through the it's not necessarily gonna be floating though it could be completely clean of bones at this moment how because or someone just, just released it in there. But it's dirty. You say that, but it's dirty on the edges, right down at the bottom where it's the floor gonna is. It's going to have like a dust layer. You can't tell. It's too dark. You, you walk right into it. You gotta, uh, you've got to torch or something, right? The implementation right? of this gelatinous cube is people walk into it. I don't think they would. They do, though. I call shenanigans. I don't care. You don't play D&D. You have no right to say. But the concept <laughs> sounds kind of funny. <clears throat> well, there you go. To get killed by Jello. My number three is the Beholder. Huh. But you know why? Because he's awesome looking. It's the classic floating giant eyeball. And I think most people do. When they think of another well, Dungeons & Dragons creature, like especially an iconic creature, they think it's of the, the only other thing they think it's of. It's this big sphere with a giant eye in the middle and little eyeball-tipped appendages sticking out all over the place. And if they don't think of it, if they see it, they go, isn't that some D&D thing? Right. But here's what's cool about the Beholder. The, Behold- the Beholder, what's neat about him is that the Beholder has multiple different attacks. So you get like this like menu of things to do mean to players. And you're like, hmm, paralyzing ray you, hmm, kill shot you, hmm. And you just get to do this fun stuff. And I've killed players with beholders before. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> and not only, not only that, but that it, it sends a micro panic. It has that Tarrasque effect where it sends a micro panic through the players right when they see it. And they're like, oh, my goodness, what am I looking at? This could be any different level because there's like there's low level ones that are like you know as dangerous as a basketball that, like that has babies. a you know that shoots a little fire at you and all the way up to <laughs> something that can zap you once and kill you instantly. Right. So there's like multiple different levels of them. They're really cool. Okay. So number two, Nicole. I think it might have like spell corrected me, <clears throat> so I'm not sure if this is what it's actually called. A crypt thing. Crypt thing. Crypt thing. It said that it's like a skeleton and he's sitting in a throne with like a brown robe. And if he can teleport any creature within 50 feet of him to a randomly randomly determined location. 
That's his like big thing. If you come into his room and you're 50 feet away, you're out of here. So he just keeps teleporting you back away from him. And well, stuff. you can only do it once a day, which is like the worst part. Of I know, him, but you could but... teleport someone into some other chamber and make everybody scared. That'd be a good effect. Yeah. And terrify the party. That's really cool. Where did our fighter go? I don't know, but the crypt thing's starting to stand up. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, that's awesome. One. That's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> number two gets a little more generic. Uh, demons. See, that's too generic. Demons are everywhere. <clears throat> but there's so many variety of demons, it's hard to really tell about one that you want. Because I've, I've experimented with a lot of them. And the most common theme that, that, that comes up every time a demon comes in contact with the players was that they're just... They're so powerful that the players are terrified to challenge them. And demons don't necessarily want to fight you. They want to use you and have you under their control. That's ultimately what they want. They don't right. necessarily want to devour they're you. Evil. <laughs> right. So it makes every more every campaign more fun when characters are sort of forced to deal with the devil. Hmm. I love them. Eh. Demons. Okay. The demon. <laughs> Number one, Nicole. Number one. The best D&D creature. This is just hysterical. <clears throat> the rug of smothering. <laughs> Holy crap, man. The smug of mothering? The rug of smothering. <laughs> it's an armor class 12 with 33 hit points. <laughs> this is what it said. But when the rug is motionless, it's indistinguishable from a normal rug. Right. But it's going to be in a cave or in a dungeon or... Who sticks a rug in a dungeon? I mean, it might be Did a dressed Martha up Did Martha Stewart come in and say, ooh, this is so dusty. Let's put a rug in here. I mean, well, come like on. A, like, like, let's say it's the wizard's chamber in the dungeon, the wizard who made the dungeon. He He's has like, a chamber down there? Yes. He's not allowed in the rest of the castle. He can go in the rest of the castle, but this is where he sleeps. <laughs> he puts a rug in there so when he takes his little <laughs> slips off, his feet don't get cold. <laughs> rug of smothering that's, that's pretty so amazing, amazing. that's good i love it that's okay. good that's right up there with the mimic the treasure chest oh no i hate you. that thing that thing is <laughs> never going to be on my top five i hate the mimic you like the do mimic. you know how many role-playing games that i've played through the years that that stupid thing just attacks me when i go to get my treasure freaking hate <laughs> you it love the mimic no whoa it's the worst one Okay, so if we did a top worst ones, that'd be number that would, one. That would be the only one on the list. <laughs> my because it just one. mimics itself, mimics everything else. Right. My number one is the Mind Flayer. <laughs> I don't know what that the is. The Mind Flayer is so cool. Now, it's it's sort of like a Cthulian kind of looking creature. It's this big purple-headed kind of skinned creature, and its head comes down to these weird sort of tentacles. There's like four little tentacles that kind of like pop off the end of it. Predator? Except they're like wiggly little tentacles, like a, like a tentacle. Okay. You know, not like a predator has fang things. Oh, that that's come out. true. Yeah. Uh, the mind flare is fun for one reason. He's he's a mind controller. Yeah. See, I don't like those. Oh my god! It's he's the biggest powerful. jerk. He comes in there and he'll be making like this. A party member will be attacking this guy. This guy's a gibbering mess in the corner with a you know froth coming out of his mouth. And yeah. So how do you get away from that? What's you, your option? Well, you just, uh, the people who aren't affected, usually there's a limit to how many people he can mind control and other people are dealing with what it. What if there's only like three people in your party? His <sighs> limit's two then? Okay, here's the deal. If there's if it's going to kill your party automatically, it's <laughs> irresponsible of your dungeon master to take that character or let, them, let him fight like that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> since I could put a Tarrasque into a level one fight, what fun would that be? You know? I don't know. Watch him squirm. <clears throat> No, there would be no squirm. It'd just be instant death. 
<laughs> okay. It'd just be an explosion and gore. Gross. <laughs> but I like the mind flare. He's, he's very iconic looking, and I love the mind control aspect of it. He doesn't have that instant death aspect, but he has that frustrate aspect. That, and, and, and also that kind of fear factor. Again, when people see him, they're like, how do we get the jump on this guy? How do we fool this guy so that he doesn't start mind controlling us and really screw up the party? So you just got to hope that the dumbest guy in the group isn't the one that's like not oh, in, mind In my controlled. last campaign, it was so much fun. There was a guy dressed up as like as these servants of the mind flare and playing like he was the mind flare servant the whole time while the rest of the group was downstairs. <laughs> you oh know? my goodness. <clears throat> it was so much fun. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, mind flare is my number one. I like him. All right. Now, I know that we probably missed your favorite, and you can probably let us know about it in the forums on their, in our guild if you'd like. But for now, war is on the horizon, and we have answered the call. But on what sides? The following is a true recount of a board gaming session. It is not merely a conversation. It contains the actual sounds of components, success and failure, and in-the-moment emotions from the incident itself. The archivists of this audio would like to remind the faint of heart that the people involved are not rules experts, did not design the game, and do not always play nice. No one was murdered in the playing of this game. All right, Conquest for Narath is a large battle game of territory control released by Wizards of the Coast and carries their Dungeons & Dragons brand name. It is played on a large map of Narath and the three surrounding regions. Each region is populated by a different army and broken up into smaller spaces that are named and show symbols of the troops that are placed on them at, at setup. Also included is inside the four regions are the famously da- named dungeon spaces where players may take their heroes to fight monsters for fabulous artifacts <laughs> that provide their abilities and victory points. <laughs> Now, once the board is set up with with many of the over 250 miniatures, nope, I didn't stutter, 250, the battle begins <laughs> and uh, in turn order the same way every single game. The undead army called the Karkoth, then, begin, then uh, the Valen Elves, followed by the Orcs of the Iron Circle, and last, the Humans of Narath. Now, during the turns, the players can move all of their troops following movement restrictions of the troop types, attack contested spaces, adventure dungeons, and bolster their troop numbers and gain income. Uh, what was I thinking just now? I was thinking I could have said something else there. <laughs> all right, anyways, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I don't know what you were thinking. How dare you? Okay, the game gives each player a deck of cards, which is unique to their army and features different attack dice for each troop type, which includes a foot soldier uh, that does six-sided die, a siege engine that does eight-sided dice, a uh, ship ship uh, miniature that does eight-sided dice as well, knights that do ten-sided dice, wizards that do ten-sided dice, and monsters, twelve-sided dice, and finally, a dragon who does a twenty-sided die. Now, these different dice are important in determining your chances of success, as only rolling a six will score a hit on an enemy. Or higher. Right. So combat is handled simultaneously with both players attacking each other. The game continues as a struggle between players taking lands from each other and scoring victory points on a track along the side of the board until a game-ending total is reached by one player ending the game. Now, Nicole has taken command of the elves and humans, leaving me with the filthy undead and orcs. A fight is happening, and the future of our lands are at stake. 
Now, okay, up front, I just want to say, this is a game we've owned for years and have not played. We played it, but it's been like five years ago. Right. We bought this in 2011, the year it released, and we tried to play it on our old table, which we're recording on right now, but our old table back then, which we don't really play games on that much anymore. And it barely fit. And we told ourselves when we get our new house, which we're in now, we'll get a gaming table and we'll be able to play this again. And let's not try to play it again because it just didn't fit right. It just took up too much space. And if we like, because it's a very long game. Right. So we had to stop it early. Now, for some reason, even though we've been in here like almost three years. Over three years. Is it? Yeah. Well, even though since we've been in here three years, somehow, and we've had our table for a year and a half. We still never played it. We still never played it, but thanks to uh, our guild voting, it finally hit the table. And in fact, we played this game twice for this. Yes. The first one we messed up the rules on at the final round and The first quit one Fred early. messed up the rules on the final round <clears throat> and he ended the game early. Nicole said she knew how to play this just the same as I did. So that's not a Well, I didn't know that it that you had to either. complete the last round. Oh, I know. Neither did I. That's one of the things. You have to play like all four... <laughs> teams get an even right. number of plays so if it right. if you hit the tor- the goal on the second player's turn right all the all players you're saying is we're play. both as guilty as each other you had the rule book <clears throat> you had the rule book too but you read it right <laughs> here we go <laughs> uh uh so let's just get this game started I start off as the Karkoths and I get to move my undead guys and let's see what this is like Okay, that's all I'm doing with those guys. So I've moved. Okay. So now we get to start fighting battles. All right. So down here in the corner, I have two D8s and a D12 and a D6 versus your D6. Okay. Okay. I have not hurt you. I have hit you. You are kidding me with this I already. I rolled a six. Stunned. On my okay. D6. My little guy dies because I somehow rolled four dice and not hit a six. Okay, I hit a six. I hit a five. Okay, you're dead. Okay. Finally. Okay. <clears throat> so, that one becomes my territory. And you get a point. Uh, I get a D12 and a D6 versus your D6. Okay. I rolled a six. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> That's okay. You died anyways. (laughs) But I still rolled a six. So far, you've rolled on three rolls, two sixes. I know. I love it. You have to give me that die. We're throwing it away. No. (laughs) Back, sir. So I've I've started the the way I've started is by pressing hard against Narath troops. See, the, the undead starts sort of in the northeast, the north and the east, and the Narath starts in the... North. Just northwest West. and just kind of barely touches into that north central area. And I, if I shove them just to, like hard enough, they'll be off into the ocean and we'll have to cross by ship to try to continue attacking me. But they have a castle at the tip of my land and I'm trying to take that back is what I'm doing. <clears throat> also, uh, so I push really hard against that and I start building a defense versus the south because at the, at, at the south, because I also go down the entire east border of the map all the way down to the southeast where the the elves kind of pop in right there 
and you have your your capital right there, which is worth five victory points if you ever lose your capital. And so I just kind of push a couple lands in and then put up some defense right there to sort of hold that area. And yes, Nicole is starting out the way that I need her not to. And she's rolling six-sided dice and hitting two out of three sixes on her first three rolls. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Let's finish the first turn. So what'd you buy? I bought six foot soldiers and two big knight guys for your 10 bucks right and where do i got castles i need one here with a couple guys and i need i need a bunch of guys right here and a knight okay and then i get to reposition them right so these guys are all going to stay right where they're at this guy, two of these guys are going to move over to here with my dragon. dragon. With my dragon. Um, actually, I'm going to move one of these guys and deploy him here and move him in here with this mage. Okay. <clears throat> and I think that is it. So now I collect income and I grabbed four income above what my start was. Yes. And my base income was 15, so I've got a 19 income. Ridiculous. I do start with a lot of those dudes, don't I? One, two, three, four. Yeah, your little black team is just... Since they get first blood, basically, right? they tear it up. Right. That's, that's my black team, so it's your yellow team. Okay. <clears throat> we start with the two cards, and then we get another one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I have two play immediately. So I have one, add two Valayan siege engines to one friendly land space. That's already more powerful than any card I pulled last night. <laughs> Whatever. I think you get better cards on, this, on that team. That's another one. Because they're wimpy. Ah. They're stupid little wimpy dudes. Wimpy and they have dude. to go into one space, one yep. friendly... I don't want Put to them on that island you. down there by the world. You base. stay away from me. I don't even know what you're talking about. This isn't about. very protected. You should put them right there. there there's nothing there. <laughs> you are discounting the five rivers of Alberon or Alberine. Alburn. Alburn sons. Alburn. Nez. Camda. Okay. I knew you would do that. I then I it. have another play immediately. Add two Valayan warships to one friendly sea space. That is bonkers. Can I have two warships, please? Yes. So before Nicole even gets to start, she gets an entire round of purchasing for free just added to her army. On top of it, she calls the elves wimpy because they got slaughtered in the game before. Yes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Now, you get lots of good stuff, and yes, the decks of cards, are, from what I've seen, and we even went through them after the game, are not balanced at all. Yeah, but you had first turn. <clears throat> I know, but the elves the elves get better cards than the red team that, I, I mean, I, I don't know how they balance the game. I'm thinking that they balance the game with the cards somehow, but it's just it's just frustrating when I don't see any cards like what you get come out, and they're just like... Did you count the troops? Maybe they start with... Maybe your guys start with more troops. I know, though, because they start with more lands, don't... Some of them are more lands than others. 
Not the red guys. The red guys start with their backs against the wall. Hmm. I think they have the worst starting position because they're pinched between the blue and the yellow. I offered to trade you <clears> because you always like to play yellow and you had me playing yellow. Well, I'm just telling you, we did look. I, we did go through the cards and they are not balanced at all or even remotely balanced. There's a, a, a <laughs> definitive difference. They are very unique and very out of whack as far as what they do. <laughs> <clears throat> so Nicole starts out tough and let's see where it goes from there. Okay, um, let's start over there with the fight. These guys? Um, yeah. Who do I have in there? You've got a D12, two D8s, and a D6, and I have a D12. Keep drawing all my dice. Okay. Okay, I don't kill you. I hit you twice. Okay, so my guy's dead, and you can rampage on I will rampage on with my monster. So See, can... you need my stuff anyway. He can trample into there. Okay. And then the other guys take my stop, spot back, and I get a point right. for rampaging. Okay. Let's do the next battle. What's that? Two siege engines? <clears throat> yep. You get four D8s, and I get one D8 and one D12. I hit you twice. I hit you none. This is insane. You're going to destroy me now, aren't you? Okay, so <laughs> get your piece. Again. Your piece needs to come off there. <clears throat> this is going the wrong direction again, Nicole. I'm just taking back what you took from me. I'm taking back, back, back what you have stolen but from me. Remember when I can't I, do remember, the whenever Lego. Whenever I fought you and I lost like a couple guys every time? Well, yeah, <laughs> That's it doesn't. The difference. I don't care right now. Seriously, <laughs> I'm going. Difference. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you at this pace. Yes. Do you know why? Because I want my jingle. You have to write and record your own jingle. I have to win a game, and then you'll feel bad for me and say, no. okay, I'll write you a jingle. I will not feel I'm bad not for musical. you if you win. <laughs> then I don't have a jingle? Why would I feel bad for because, you? Because you know I can't write my own jingle because I'm not musically inclined. It's going to sound like the goofiest thing in the whole world if I do that. That's fine. Like, you're going you're to regret it. Let's put it that way. I doubt that. I want to hear this no, thing that I'm going to regret. regret. No. Okay, I need to. I'm going to delve into that dungeon over there with my horsey and my wizard. What do I got? What am I fighting? Who am I You're fighting? You're fighting the beholder. That stupid beholder. Yep. Oh God, that 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 D20 guy. D20 and a D6, but he like has first guy. strike first just like you, so you get strike. one D10 first. He hits I you hit once. Do you want your wizard to go, or do you want your fighter to go? Well, I guess I want my wizard to go because I hit him once. Dead, and your fighter gets to attack. And With he gets a D10? To yeah, and he doesn't get to attack until after you attack. Why? Because I already attacked. I had first strike. Oh. So I hit him. him out. Yay! So you get two gold. Heck yeah! And your treasure card. Alright, so let's talk about these dungeons. Now, let's just say, you spread yellow everywhere that turn. Yeah. And you basically, everything you decided to do basically came true. There was no stopping you. You just dominated me with dice that whole turn. And then you end up end up in a dungeon. Now, these dungeons, <clears throat> these are really important in the game. Okay, because there's, there's a couple of different ways you score victory points. One, if you take an opposing person's territory, when I say territory, it has to be their color, not yours. Right. So if a black you know, troop takes a yellow colored like outline territory, they get that point. They if get the a yellow, marker in there. And they get a marker, but they get a they get a point on the victory point track. Right. If yellow takes that that place back, they get no points for gaining their ground back. Right. They only get it if they take the black space next to it, you know, after that. <clears throat> so that's one way you get points, and it's one point every time you take an opposing land. 
If you take an opposing capital, it's five points, and I've said that already. The only other way to get victory points in this game is inside of these dungeons. Because these artifacts, not only do they give you victory points, like to the tune of like usually one to three victory points each. I never saw it up to two. <clears throat> they, they said one to three in the book. But I only saw it up to two. <clears throat> right. So you get, you get up to one to three victory points, as I was saying. <laughs> and you also get a special effect, usually adding more troops. Or, you know, if you play this during a battle, you get to kill enemy troops before the battle starts. And you get all these additional effects. So they're sort of like an event card. And, and some victory points at the same time. Right. Now, all of these dungeons start with one monster, which is just a little chip on top that you've shuffled, you know, the stack of these chips, and you put these little door chips all over these dungeon spaces, and it starts with one. So you flip it over, and you fight some kind of monster, and you can only take your wizards and your knights in there, which roll D10s, and you'd have to... You, there are only two troop types you can take in there. So they're a big, they're a big risk, and when you flip whatever it is over, you could die, you know, instantly. That you could you could possibly not even get a fight based on what's in there, right. or you could be fighting something like oh you fight two goblins or whatever. What it was like a goblin thing and it was nothing. Yeah, he rolled like two d sixes. It was two goblins and they rolled two d sixes and you went in there with two d tens and wiped the floor with them instantly. Yeah, <clears throat> so that could happen. But if they don't, then you get gold on top of it, which help which helps you buy more troops. You get some special effect which can add troops or you know take out other troops. And you get victory points on top of it. So these are really important. But after you beat them the first time, there's two monsters in there now. Right. And those monsters stay. They double up. They, they heal back up to full and they stay. And usually they have multiple dice that they're associated with them. And those represent how many hit points they take. And when somebody hits one of the monsters or attacks it and successfully rolls a six, you remove one of those two dice and roll the other one in the next round of combat if they decide to continue. <clears throat> so these are really important. And you could hear her do that. So, Nicole, all of your dreams are coming true. I was you know, rolling will- really well. Your dice are on fire. You're pushing my undead forces back. You're killing everything you touches or you touch in the south. You've you've uh, you had like like four victories versus my orcs, and you beat two dungeons on that turn. So let's see if I can answer that. Uh, so we start fighting, and I only got like three fights. So it's not like your turn where you had twelve. <laughs> Very violent. All right, so we'll start with over there. You have a D6, I have a D6, and a oh. D12. I have a cursed eye and a not cursed eye. <laughs> cursed eye pays off. I hit you. Okay, so your little guy goes, my little guy goes, and I get a chip. So I get a point. <clears throat> um, let's do this thing. I got a first strike, and you do not. No, but I have... I don't hit you with that, because it's... Every time I roll a single die, I'm terrible. I get two D8s, a D12, and a D6. Right I have now. three D6 and a D12? D10. D10? That's the red one, right? Yeah. Two hits. Two hits. Gosh dang, Cole. Uh, uh, I don't like that. All right. Um, Pressing on? Yes. So I need to roll these two. Okay, one hit. One hit. You are kicking my butt. Yep. Pressing on again. Um, hit. Miss. Dang it. Thank goodness. I finally get one break for crying out loud. Okay, now you have more points than me again. You're at six, I'm at five. Yeah, but look at the devastation it causes for me to gain these points. You got nothing. It's a different game. 
I'm just saying that nothing happens to you when, it, when you attack. Zorana. No, I'm just kidding. All right. That's good. So now we got one left to do one big battle, which is right here. I you can't get, even tell who's in there. Oh, I get a first, first strike. strike. <clears throat> oh, and I hit. Okay, so my dragon has been damaged. And now I get... You get 1d8 and 1d6. I get 2d8s, a d10, a d6, and a d20. A d6, two d8s. It doesn't help me now, but if somebody has a play at any time or play at the beginning of the battle, does it have to be on their It's at the beginning of the battle. It's just any battle? I think so. So, like, you could, if you had a beginning of battle card, you could play it? Like, uh... Or does it have to be, like, one of the troops that's involved, at least? Yes, you can. You just you can just play it. If it says play okay, at the I beginning that of the up. battle, I had a card I should have played. Oh well, miss. Okay, all I did was hit once out of freaking five tries. Okay. So now you have a D eight and a D ten, and I have all these dice still. Okay, I've hit I hit once, twice. So you're gonna so go I'm away, out. and my foot soldier goes away. That sucks. Okay, my dragon heals. And you get a um, point. So now I go into... Did you put a thing, a red thing? I didn't. Now I go into the dungeon. Oh, and you are <sighs> fighting Black Pudding. Right. Gross. Um, heroes need seven plus to hit. And Why? I'm rolling... That's what it says. Why do I get the stupidest, toughest guy I've seen? And Does I he roll, have first strike? He does not, but okay. he rolls two d10. Okay, so I roll one of my d10 first that misses... Now you roll, what is it? What it's a roll? two. Oh, I couldn't see that far. Then I, I miss with the other one. I hit once. Okay, so kill, I guess, my fighter, and I retreat. That's the right, horsey? Right, I retreat out of there. That'd oh, he good. just fell in the middle. That's the dumbest guy I've seen so far. <laughs> Sevens or better, and it's uh, ridiculous. At least one of us got lucky. Okay. Um... That's the end of them, so I get to reposition stuff. So I pull I pull this dragon back to here, I think. Yeah, why not? <clears throat> I love how you keep landing your dragon on top of your little castle. <laughs> it looks so cool, doesn't it? It does. All right, so I can spend the meager funds I have left after elves stole all the <laughs> stuff that I didn't even start a fight with them for. Elves are feisty. <clears throat> so I got nine whole dollars. <clears throat> and I need to bolster my stuff here for sure. So feisty elves. No, not wimpy anymore. What? And uh, you heard it. Uh, dice are deciding and I'm losing for sure. Yep. Uh, you know, every time I play a game like this, I want a dice tower so bad. We have one. I know, but I don't want it. I want a better it's, one. It's super wimpy. tiny. Yeah. Uh, and I want to blame myself instead of luck. I want to blame how I throw the dice Instead of just dice being dice, I want to say, oh, I didn't throw it right. I always feel like that. Why did I throw it stupid, you know? <laughs> I don't know why, but I, this is when I always you want a dice tower. definitely need a dice tower. Because <clears throat> I blame myself instead of, just, instead of just luck. And so I push your troops back barely in the south. Barely. I just, they pushed right up to the gates of my, of my capital in the south almost on the first turn. And I give them just a little little nudge back, but my bad dice rolls pretty much stop that almost instantly. And Nicole, your Narath army finally gets to go. Here we go. 
Okay. Now it's your turn. Yes. Which I don't like because your blue team is okay. So <clears throat> pretty deadly. Played during my draw step. Um, count the number of Narath starting l- land spaces that enemies control. We'll roll one d20 attack die against each of those spaces. Each space's controller chooses how to take any damage. That's popular uprising. So it's my d20. And I will roll against... Are you even paying attention? Reading my cards. Sorry, there's a lot of text I'm gonna I attack have to keep you. track of. I'm going to attack you. Oh, you got like some Did you... free attack thing? Okay. Yeah, I got popular uprising. Right. During your draw step, count the number of Narath starting land spaces that enemies control. Roll 1d20 attack. Die against each of those spaces. Okay? That's the cheapest card I've ever heard, but go ahead. That's the one I had last night that I only got to use on one space. This... You shuffled them. I know. I'm just saying your card decks are a lot more powerful. Okay, so I'm attacking your little whirlwind and your monster there. Sure, why not? And I do not hit because I rolled a stupid one on a d20. Okay, I'm rolling against your monster, your siege, and your fighter. And I take out your stupid fighter, I'm sure. Okay. And then I roll against that little wizard. And I take him out. This is outrageous. I get my spot back. No, you don't. Oh, that stays there? God, you that's didn't so invade stupid. anything. Okay, okay, okay. I go after these little guys here, the two sea spouts and a horse, and I take one of them out. And then I go after these guys. Here, this, two, that's a garbage card, by the way. Two horses and a monster. Total garbage. Because I go last. And I get one of them. Just take one of the fighters. Absolute garbage. That's like a whole turn of troops just for a little casual card that comes out. I never get to use it again. I mean, I'd like to burn it up and take it out of the game. (laughs) Because I think that's imbalanced. I would still burn that card. (laughs) I hate listening to that. Basically, every every one of your spaces I took, you got to roll a d20 attack on me. I know. It is total crap. I can't believe that's real. It's pretty amazing. Well, I missed on... I got a one on the first roll. I know. You only got 80%, oh. which is better than what you should get. That's a B at best. You shouldn't get 80%. <laughs> you should get 70%. No, that's like almost failing. I'm telling you it's ridiculous. 70% is what the die should roll, and you roll 80% oh, on the cheapest card. And it's like... I'm serious. That was like what you took out was like my entire round of spending, like an entire turn of spending money. Yeah, it was like worth of guys of just just to be like, oh, okay, well, here's evening out. Everything you did is completely negated, and it's like this is stupid. Well, it was across the whole board though. It wasn't like one whole zone. Well, I mentioned the cards were out of balanced, and I mean that's obvious. You'll never hear me get a card even close to that. If that- I had that, I would have killed so many elves. It was stupid. That card when I <laughs> used it was really hardcore. Right. Really, if, let's say that my red team got that three turns in, and I used it on your elves. How many elves would have died? A lot, like twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the designer did use these decks to balance it, because it's really heavy-handed. That's super heavy-handed. But Narath is in fourth place, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, as we'll find out later. <clears throat> now, mine are uh, my cards are sort of like place a troop here. Place a troop there. You get two foot soldiers, and yours is D20 attack on five spaces. 
Well, I had a chance to lose. You'd right. get a troop, period. <clears throat> now, the rest of your Narath turn goes pretty evenly between us for a change. Your dice luck kind of evens out, and you kind of push back a little bit in the south, but you don't make much ground. You do finish a dungeon, <clears throat> and I we argue about how people come out of dungeons, but that's no, that's no, no problem. Well, I was right, though. <clears throat> yep. Now, I start my turn, and I go to eradicate the Narath from my lands, in the uh, north central. So let's check it in with that. Uh, so I play at this this at the start of the battle. Okay, well uh, then here, I'll play this one. God, would you please Go play ahead. your cards? Play Just your do card. It. it doesn't matter. It's at the start of a battle. Mine's at the start of a battle as well. Okay. Go ahead. What does it say? Each enemy dragon in the battle takes one damage. Okay, I'm going to play this lore. to cancel that. What is that? Because this cancels one hit scored during this battle. So your hit gets canceled. Okay, there we so go. both our cards mean nothing. So neener. After the first strike phase of the battle round, which is right now, I score another hit. So who do you want to die? Your little D6 guy? Yeah, of course. Hey, he goes away. There. Okay, I okay, can't even so see now, who's in there. You got a dragon on okay, top Okay, you've got a D6 guy, a D20 a... guy, and a D12 guy. And a D10. So you get a D20, a, D, a D10... A D12 and a six. Don't I have two sixes in no, there? I, I thought I had no, three total. No. I took one out with the giant card. I can't see anything. I just took another hit. The dragon hit out. is in my way. Right. Okay. I took two of them out before the battle started. Got it. Okay, so now I get two D8s. <clears throat> two D8s, a D10, a D12, another D8, and a D20. Okay? This so is I'm going to get to roll one more D20 after this. Or D8, I'm sorry. I have one, two hits. Okay, I've got two hits as well. That sucks. So my dragon gets damaged. Oh, and I, I forgot this D6 guy, so I get to roll a D6 and a D8 now. Sorry. That didn't happen, so okay. my D6 also gets taken out. So my D6 gets out, and you said it was two hits? Yes. Okay. So one more so guy I has to die. I guess my horsey is going to go. Okay, so at this point... You have a D12 and a D20, and I still have two D8s, or three D8s, a D10, D20, and a D12. Three D8s? Yeah. One, two, three. Oh. D20, two D8s, a D20, D that, and this. So I just need one D8 after this. I got two hits. Okay, I got four hits. Okay, well... So you got two. I take out this guy and this guy. Okay. Actually, I might take out that siege engine instead. Yeah, this guy's going to go away, and this guy will go away. Okay. And that guy goes away. And I... Oh. Okay, so then you have to... Don't you have to, like, put my castle upside down or something silly? I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, if there was something with that. <laughs> well, I can't make troops this turn on that castle. Space. Right. That's why you turn it upside down. Right. Okay, to be fair, I completely overwhelmed you with troops in that fight. Yep. But I had to take out your castle space because that's the way you were putting troops on my on my territory over there and to get you off of that. But I feel like I've kind of overextended myself that direction, trying to get rid of Narath. But that's because in the game before that, Narath was a real pain in the butt and constantly pushing <laughs> towards my uh, my capital over there. And if you can just push you off the tip of that little island, then you have a lot harder time, you know, making a comeback. It kind of sure. takes away one of your fronts. Right. <clears throat> so 
It feels like a break in luck. Now let's see what you do on the yellow player's turn because you started off the first round really aggressive. And let's uh, so let's just say on on your next turn, you do the same thing on movement. You you move really hard into Karkoth, my black uh, region, mm-hmm. and then you actually put a bunch of guys in your movement onto the Iron Circle capital. You're able to do that. So let's check in with how this turns out. 4d8s. Um, yes. Actually, 5d8s, and I get a d6 and a d10. I only have four. <clears throat> okay, no hits. Uh, two hits. Okay, both so my guys far. are dead. Oh, okay. There you go. My dice have turned against me again, by the way. Every and time I you a, have a yellow turn, I have a horrible roll. Oh, and I, haven't ma- I didn't get my points for either one of those, so one and two. Sorry, I hadn't moved. I have well. horrible luck. This is, this is what I get a, for not playing the yellow team. Did you put a dot on that one? You know that? If I don't play the yellow team, this is what happens to me. What? My luck versus your yellow team is absolute garbage. Oh, whatever. Like, I'm watching it. I'm just like, this is terrible. Okay. Every die roll is just like, oh, I lose one guy and you lose four? Okay. Okay, so then this little mess down here. Just line everybody up out of it. Like, scoop everybody out because I can't see what the hell's going on. Wait, you've got a dragon. Okay, that's a d20. A foot soldier. I get two d20s because of my castle. Uh-huh. I get one d8, a foot soldier. I got a monster over there. Is that right? No. No, you have a dragon, a castle, a siege engine... A foot soldier and a wizard. So I have four troops in a castle. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so I get a first strike with my wizard. Okay, and I get a wizard. You I have get... a wizard? Yes. Oh, I can't even see him over He's there. back here. And so then... go ahead and roll your wizard. Okay, I haven't even figured out the rest of my dice yet, but... Okay, I missed. I missed two. So then I get... Yeah, my rolls are pathetic. I get a I D12, a D8, and two D12s. Okay. Did you have a siege engine in there? I do not have a siege engine. Oh, you got two D12s because I have right. two monsters. Jeez. I have two okay. monsters, a fighter, a wizard, <laughs> and a, a sea right. thing. And I get to roll my 20 twice. And so I, I have missed. One, two, three hits. I missed with. Missed with everything. I thought your head was going to explode, I swear to God. I'm, I'm getting so mad, it's unbelievable. You well, have got... no idea. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You can kind of hear your chair wobbling. Right. <laughs> like, it sounds like silence, but that's <clears throat> Fred's head, like, growing four sizes. <laughs> I'm just telling you so that, that I rolled eight dice and scored zero hits, including two 20-sided dice on that roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm just going to tell you, it continues from there. I'm, I'm going to spare you guys the rest of it. Because from there, your dice are just unstoppable, and I'm garbage, and I lose my capital. Like, just due to your dice versus my dice, and you've got half as many as I do walking in, and you beat me. Just tell, I'm telling you, you take my capital with half the troops I had on my capital. And, and way worse dice. And it's just, this <laughs> puts your, you, it gives you five points... And you had already been collecting more dungeons than I was because I was trying to expand you out I of like areas. I like dungeons. That's right. my favorite part. So at this point, I'm telling you, you're so far ahead. It's like you're, you're like 10 points ahead of me on the scoring track at this point. <clears throat> so I'm nearly devastated in the south. All I have is one red castle left that's being blocked by this natural land, 
you know, or this this waterway in the middle of the land that goes into like unpassable terrain. Right. So that's the only thing that's stopping the elves from completely annihilating the red team at all, which puts it back on Narath. So the only thing I can do really, though, because Narath's at my gates on the other side, is sort of turtle up and try to survive in my last remaining red castle. So I'm going to just kind of like abbreviate where this game goes from here in the next three clips. So here we go. Yellow's turn, right? Yeah. No, Blue's turn. Blue's turn? Stop jumping ahead. I know you just want to play yellow. And you're God, I want to play yellow. <laughs> I know. Yellow is absolutely dominating the whole Yellow's game. Yellow's doing good stuff over here. Okay, play during your draw step. Uh, add one Narath foot soldier to each friendly land space that is adjacent to at least one enemy land space. So, I'm just going to pull a couple out. I don't even know if I have. To a space. friendly space that's a that, that that's worded weird. What does that mean? To a f- friendly space that's adjacent to an enemy space. Okay. So it's really I think it's only one. Right. No, there's some over there. So I get that one. Oh no, I get these because that's not. And the one here. Oh my god, your card says put 10 guys on the table? No, it says it add one giraffe foot soldier to each friendly land space that is adjacent to at least one enemy land space. That is outrageous so that. again. And then that guy gets one. There. Yeah, so that translated to five guys on the map. Foot soldiers. For free. No, for a card. <laughs> for and free. The card I drew. Ugh. How many points do you need to beat me so we can be done, please? That's good. This is like torture. Shh. <laughs> um... Okay, I'm going to delve into this dungeon first. So the first guy I go against is an ogre with two eights. You're dead. Um, I hit him once. Doesn't matter. Okay, he's out. So that just stays there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I go after these. And does this count as a battle round? No. Well, maybe it does. Yeah, because you battle the, the the monster. Sure. Okay. So at the start of the battle round, until the end of the battle, each Narath piece scores a hit on an attack roll of five or higher. You know what mine is? What? Remember the black card that I had? Yeah. I have to lose two guys in order to have that effect. You just get it. Huh. That's what I'm talking about. Ooh. And it's a young <sighs> dragon. So he rolls a d20. But he has... And I've got first strike, though. Right. So you can take him out. And I totally took him out. Bye. Yay. For good for you. <laughs> Hopefully you pull a treasure card worth five points so we can be done. This is going to seem really weird, but I'm going to spend four and buy a castle. Is it four? I thought it was five. Four, for a castle? I get a dollar back. I it's spent four. five last time. <laughs> Wait, you're going to do that retro? Might as well. <laughs> it's gonna make, I'm going to win the game because of it, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so that's the... <laughs> That's like 30 minutes of play. That's how it feels to play the game for me. That last clip was funnier before you cut one of the things because he got mad at me earlier for trying to play a card during my turn after someone else, after I'd played a different troop. 
I know, but yours is like, go back and add a bunch of troops to a battle that I just devastated. I was like, give me a dollar. I'm already 10 points in the hole. It was not. It was like add a guy or something. I'm telling you. It was much more Uh beneficial than $1. That does me nothing. (laughs) That was just a joke. (laughs) So anyways, yes, for right now, I'm just going to say, we played an hour and 15 minutes in is when she took the red capital. And from here on, it feels like I'm playing Monopoly once I've mortgaged all of my properties and I have money left, but only from the properties. And all I'm doing is rolling the dice, moving around the board, waiting until I run out of money. That's what's going on in this game at this point. And I've just been doing that for like a half an hour. So, I mean, at the at, the, at my last, we start the third turn. This is only the third player turn of four different armies, okay? And we do them in order every single time. So I do a Hail Mary turn with the undead. Now, in this type of game, that is where you spread your defenses way out too far just to gain points, leaving you weak and, you know, in defense on every one of your territories, just trying to grab as many enemy territories around you as you can so that you can catch up in points. And in this case, uh, I need to catch up almost, uh, like, I think I catch up like seven points is what I need to catch up. And... I do that. I I make this huge, huge play. And Mm -hmm. then you do the exact same responding with your elves and you get nine points pulling ahead by nine points. Mm -hmm. And this is the final clip. And yes, Nicole, you're going to get your jingle after it. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Is that everything? That's it. All right. Well, you only have to come back. I've got 26 to 17. Right. And I can do one fight, one space. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty much just going to concede, I think. You can't. Just play. Okay. I don't do anything with any of my guys over there. I just sit still. And I buy... I didn't even buy anything or any of that. Okay. Well, I buy... Uh, I absolutely sit still and I buy... Uh, two dragons. You're not even going to try and attack me. No. I buy two dragons. What good does it do? I'm going to get one point there and one point somewhere else, and that's the best I'm going to get. You could get... No, I can't get ten, can I? I don't know. I'm looking. No. You can There's get no one. Way. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, you're right. You so can I get, buy two You can dragons. get two because your dragon could fly. No, no you didn't I have just it. put them down. So oh. I'm gonna, and then I just stop there and I get how much money? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, Does so it your, matter? Your turn. Well, it's over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I concede. There's no point in that lot in any more turns. Okay. I can only get one, maybe two points at the most. Okay. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, that's like cheating. <laughs> that's your jingle. <laughs> now he can't win anymore because that's like... What? That's like copyrighted, isn't it? No. <laughs> that's Terrible. open license. It better be. Good Lord. I don't want to get sued over winning. You get sued. <laughs> Looney Tunes, Mel Blank comes and says, hey, I'm going to wait. It's my own recording of somebody else's music that they licensed, I'm sure, back then. But... Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> awful. But there you go, Nicole. You won and you got your jingle. That's terrible. Are you happy? I'm going to have to write my own jingle now. No, you can't. 
<laughs> it's done. It's in stone. You asked for it. You got it. I worked on it. <laughs> well, Gil, tell us what you think <laughs> of that. Now, let's talk about that. That's the end of the game, and you did win. You I won did, uh, finally. by considerable amount of point. If you really wanted to go one more turn with Narath, you probably could have got another couple points and probably finished close to 30, which would be the long game point total. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about the game itself. I really like that there are so many miniatures. Yes. Now, these miniatures are not. They're not completely unique to each army, but there's enough unique. Each army does get its own foot soldier. It gets its own knight. It gets its own dragon. Those three things are all unique. Oh, and its own monster. Uh So all those things are unique. You you get little skeleton guys, you get little human guys, little elf guys, and little orc guys. You know, and they're all different. They have different weapons looks. They have different armored looks. Wait, which was it? Oh, the, you said knights, the little horses. Right. The knights okay, are different. Yeah. Every time there'll be a guy on a horse, on the on boars, if they're like the... The, uh, the foot soldiers were different. The, right. It was like only the wizards and the... The wizards, the siege the engines, ships. and the ships, and the castles were the same. And the sea... I said the sea things. Anyhow, yeah. Right. So those were, that's what that's what's different. But there is a, a large box of miniatures in oh, there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are varied. They look really cool. Uh, I think that there's the production of this game is really high oh yeah top notch like i can't believe how high it is it's it's just like wow these it looks fantastic it's a solid game when you've got that all set up it looks really impressive on the table to say the least you know and uh i think they really realize the setting pretty well using the dungeons in there really helps making sure they include dragons they utilized all of the the dice except for d4s they utilized all the Dungeons and Dragons dice within the, the mechanics of it. There's like all the den- dungeons are like named after these really famous dungeons like Tomb of Horrors and stuff like that, you know, Temple of Elemental Evil or whatever I think is on the map. And there's just there's really cool stuff on there. And you're like, I didn't look at the names <clears throat> of things so much, though. I'm usually pretty guilty of that, though. Right. Right. So that's really cool, too. I mean, you get, you do feel it. And you fight these iconic monsters we talked about whenever you go into those dungeons. You're fighting these important creatures in the, yeah. in the in the setting. <clears throat> so I, I really like that about this. I do. What do you like about it? I like the dice rolling mechanic that it, that they take that risk style of rolling against each other, right. but they give the different troops, different level of dice that they're able to use. I think right. that's really cool. So you can see if I'm going to go up against a dragon, I better take a whole lot of troops because he's going to roll that D 20 and there's a good chance he's going to be just plucking me off one by one right. not when you roll well, and I, I much prefer this attack and attack mechanic in these type of games rather than that one person attacks one person defends and they win on ties that's the worst yeah you know <clears throat> yeah but i like the different different levels right i think that's really cool i think that's i mean that's kind of how it's going to be it's right. going to be harder to beat a dragon right than it is to beat right and some we didn't talk about archer. dragons have actually two hit points you you flip them over on their back after they take one hit point of damage and they still get to attack. So we, when you take a dragon into a fight, the first thing you would do, and the first, first hit you'd take, you would just flip your dragon over. And then you'd spread out all the other damage all over the place until finally your dragon died last. You right. Know? <clears throat> so really cool. What else do you like? Um, like you said, the components are just amazing looking. Mm-hmm. The board itself is amazing looking. It looks epic. Right. Um, I like that it's pretty overall pretty easy to comprehend mm-hmm. um there's a lot to go over in the rule book to get there mm-hmm. but i mean you play like you know 
half a turn and you've got this. Right. And it's just like a couple details that you might be looking up. And most of the questions would be in the cards themselves. I also like that there's a victory track, victory point track. That kind of breaks up these games. A lot of times these games kind of go into this situation where you're playing towards a, uh, you know, annihilation of the other player. Well, that wouldn't work since every every turn, your your whole point is you get money, you spend money on new troops. You're never right. going to really annihilate a, somebody. Well, in oh this, my gosh! In this game, there's a mechanic that lets you still spawn troops even if you've lost your castle. I think, or no, you can annihilate creatures. In this you can one. build a new castle <clears throat> if you have the money. But if you're, it, but you're always going to get something. I mean, right. unless it, I it'll mean, be really hard to take it, someone out. It would be money. almost near. It would be the longest game in the world that I don't want to play yeah. if you were trying to annihilate one another. So, so including yeah. the victory track, and they do give you a short version, which is 22 points, and a 30-point long version is what, what the score track does as in a two-player game. In a two-player, because right. you're you're both playing two troops. Right, because this, this You have has, to play yeah. all four. If you're playing a three-player version of this, someone's playing two armies and the other people are playing one apiece. Right. Uh, so what do you not like about it? I don't like the ending condition um, that, yes, you're going to hit that certain number of points, but you're supposed to finish the round. Mm-hmm. Well, like like what happened with us. Mm-hmm. I got to a certain point. You can't come back up. So we lose two turns of the round. You kind of know where it's ending before the game actually ends. And I always have a hard time with that. But that's a personal right. thing. That's <clears throat> not you know, necessarily bad for the game. It just bothers me. One thing I'll say about this is that it is a luck bonanza. Well, it's dice. That's how dice work. Despite your best, you know, strategizing and your best efforts, you are going to be either championed or victimized by your dice rolls. And there's not a lot you can do to mitigate that. You're going to have these moments where it's just like, I should have won that and I didn't. And it's going to happen over and over again. And whoever does that to you or whoever you do that to is going to lose or win the game. Yeah, I'll agree with that part. And I mean, because there's there's many situations during that game where I should have won battles that I didn't win over and over and over again. And vice versa, where you were getting the benefit of not of winning battles you shouldn't have won. Well, and I had a lot of luck in my cards, too. Just, Mm -hmm. you know. I drew really great cards, right. and not all of them were that great. Mm-hmm. And I got the like the best of all of them, right? On, on both my teams, really. So this does have the Axis and Allies game that I talked about effect. See, I've never played Axis and Allies. Right. Well, we it's, keep saying it's, we're going to do it. It's the we don't same do kind it. of kind of dice rolling mechanic, and I we can we'll play it eventually. I'm sure, oh, and I'll, I'll prove that. that I hate that, and I'll be mad at you that day too. Thanks. <laughs> well, Love you too. I know. So look forward to that. <laughs> But this has that same kind of feeling where where it's a dice rolling. It really boils down to the foundation of this game is I roll die, you roll die. If I roll higher more often than you roll higher, I win. Yeah. That, 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 there needs to be a couple layers layers of like, you know, manipulation in there to make dice games more interesting than that. And this doesn't really do that. When it comes down to it, I need to grab territories to win the game and I need to roll dice higher than you. So True. if I'm not good at rolling dice, there's no way for me to control that. And the dungeons are the same way. Yeah, I can get points with dungeons, but guess what? I still have the same dice mechanic dominating those. Yeah. And if I'm rolling true. bad, I'm I'm going to do bad. And I rolled bad a lot in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I, I think, once again, because of that level of luck, it's way too long. 
it needs to be a one hour game for me to even come close to enjoying this because yeah. I didn't lose I didn't lose my spirit or lose the desire to play this until about nine like about 75 minutes in is when I really got tired of it and was just like can I please end this game I, I'm not having fun but that was because it went 15 minutes past that 60 minute rule see and a lot of people <clears> though they really like those types right. of games and right. I think that I think this would be a definite buy for those people when, if you already kind of know what you're getting right. into because it's not a cheap game, is it, with all those miniatures? I, have I no can't idea. imagine that it can be that cheap right now. Just it's too much plastic in that box. It's big, it's huge. It's I think I think it's I, I think that it's I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, like I said, we bought it like five years I ago. I bought it so long ago, I don't yeah. know. But uh, so what would you say the difficulty is to teach this to a non gamer? If it weren't for the cards, I wouldn't. Th- I would give it like a two. But those cards add a lot of little details right. that get confusing mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, so with that, I would give it a three. I also kind of give it a three because I don't think that they did a good job of making cheat sheet cards. Um, one of like the cheat sheet is on the back of right. the. You've got a card in front of each troop. That kind of, you put your cards on there. Yeah, it actually your, says place cards deck. here and discard here. Yeah, but on the back side of that little team board or whatever right. is the details of how many foot soldiers you get, how many wizards you get. Um, isn't there movement on there? I think so. That was and on then, the flip side on of another one. the actual back of the book is where the price list is for how no, much you spend No, it's in the middle of the them. book. No, it was on the back of the book. There was, was a it price on the back? List. Yeah, there was a price list. But, you know, it, it's like... <laughs> then we're handing the book across the table every time anybody does anything constantly. Right. And then there was information, more information, like um, to go to the dungeons, they've got another little little template board that has the dungeon dungeon pieces, and there was more information on the back side of that. Right. Well, I've got all my tokens on there. Why would I flip it over? How would I flip it over? I would never think to f- need to flip it over. Right. That part was seriously lacking. Right. So you've got to make photocopies to get your cheat it sheets out like to everybody. sounds like a dislike that you missed. <laughs> That's a dislike that I missed. Right. But it made it difficult. It would make it more difficult to teach, too, because you don't have cheat sheets. Right. You have to get a cheat sheet. You have to. Because there's too many troops, too much going on to not have it. Mm-hmm. So you say a three to teach. Yeah. I say about a three as well. I think there's a lot of, like, kind of fiddliness to try to get through on this game. And that that's going to take you a while to get through all of that. Because, I mean, I don't think we really stopped, you know, really going into the minutia of it till about you know, three quarters of the way through the first game. Yeah. Before we really were confident with the rules. Now, the second game, we barely were doing that at all. You know? Yeah. We barely checked the rules ever on that second one. So, I mean... Other than trying to do the cheat sheets. Right. I think the dog wants in. No. (laughs) So, uh, what would you rate this out of five? You know, I really like this game. But... It's going to have that dice burn factor, and that's going to irritate people too much, I think. So overall, I think I give it a three. Mm -hmm. Um, If I were playing a clone of myself, I would probably give it a four or five, because I'm not going to be the person that gets angry in those situations. But I don't think many of my friends are are like that on this type of game. I, I know Matt would be like just furious if if i was having the kind of luck i was having and he was having the kind of luck you were having um and there's just too much chance of that right so well personally i would give this game a one wow personally i give it a one i would say that if you like this game 
and you're into this, the production level level of it probably boosts it up quite a bit. If you if your favorite game is Axis and Allies, I can't see a reason why not to own this game. But I do not like this game. I don't want to play this game again. I don't want it in my collection. It's on the trade pile. Wow. I don't want it. I have no desire to play this again. I like it still. But I'll go three just because too fiddly for <clears throat> for everyone. Too much I luck. I have no desire to play it ever again. <laughs> I'm done with it. Okay. <clears throat> so, so that is... if anybody is wants a copy of... <laughs> Conquest of Narath. Let us know. Apparently right. it's on the cell pile. <clears throat> it's just... It, it, it tops into that top of my I don't want a playlist. Okay. Like, I played it twice... Even after the first time, I did not want to play it again. Absolutely did not want to play it again. I played it again. What about like however many years ago when we played it? You were enjoying it then. No. Was I just sucking that day? No, I, I didn't. I didn't love it that day. I was kind of like, uh... I, I remember I forced you to play the shorter game because it was going too long. Yeah, and I was having a really good time right. and wanting to play the longer game. Which means game. you were whipping me in dice rolling again and I was feeling the same burn I feel every time I f- play one of these games and it was going too long. And I forced you into the shorter game of it so we could just be done and you won the game. Hmm. And you were like, that's one of my favorite games. And I'm like... Because uh, I finally won something. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't like it. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> that is Conquest of Narath. <clears throat> now we need to find out what is going to be the next vote. And I actually have a jingle for this segment as we find out uh, for those of you playing at home. It's time for those of you playing at home to get a chance to win a fabulous game review of your choice in an upcoming episode. Simply listen to these choices and cast your vote at our Board Game Geek Guild. Must be a member of our guild and reply by the Friday after this release. Standard Board Game Geek Guild membership required. See our BGG Guild for information on how you can join. Finding our guild is as simple as going to our website, talkaboutboardgames.com, and clicking the forums button at the top of the page. All right. So, uh, for those of you playing at home... We uh, obviously Conquest for Narath was one of the voted on games, and this is an ongoing thing we want to do from now on. We want to let people have a chance to vote for some of the upcoming games, so that you'll kind of know what to expect. Or well, these at least... are going to be the ones that between Fred and I, <clears throat> right? This will be just us playing. These aren't going to be other people included games, right? So this time we have three new games, three new options, right? Uh, so our new options for the next one, and we'll put up the poll uh, when this on the day this episode releases. Uh, that you can choose, and it'll go for one week. And it says so in the in the <laughs> in jingle. The super fast talking, <laughs> right. which sounds funny. Uh, so we we've chosen the game Portal, the uncooperative cake acquisition game, or something, something like that. <laughs> uh, Thunderstone, the old deck building game, and It'd probably w- the advanced version was a few expansions because they're kind of all mixed in together, aren't they? Or if you guys if you guys go into the notes below it and post a, a comment about it, if you really want us to play the oldest version of that, we have it, all the expansions for that as well. Okay. We don't have all the expansions for advanced. We have we're missing like two, but either way, either uh, way. Thunderstone and the last one is Warhammer Quest: The Adventure Card Game. So those are our three new options that you can vote on. And that would be done by going to our website, clicking on forums in the upper left, and going to Board Game Geek or Board Game Geek Guild and signing in voting. Right? You can also email us if you no, refuse. No, I won't let you do that. No, you won't? You gotta, I you, would accept an email. <clears throat> That's Nicole, though. If you email, I'll vote for you. No, she won't. <laughs> I will be- <laughs> veto that vote. All right. So uh, we did actually get an email, though. Did you know that? 
I did know that. You knew that. I so knew that. we got some answers for that email. And he said, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, But he he wrote in talking about freedom. He said, I haven't played this game, but there was one aspect I thought could use some improving. I looked on BGG and didn't see anyone commenting to this effect, but I thought the anonymous and generalized slaves really should have been personalized. I mean, the abolitionists had a bit of historical backstory and personalization, right? I think the game could carry so much more emotional impact if the slaves had stories, too. Plus, it's just dehumanizing to have them as faceless slaves. Did I miss something? Uh, He put that that seems like there could be another deck of cards with the stories of real people who sought freedom this way. Um, He's sure that there are tons of interesting stories and can't... Now he's starting to imagine how game mechanics could be created around these people's attributes, etc. So I thought I'd respond to this a little bit. Um... And I did go back through the game because there were a lot of cards in the game um, that we didn't necessarily get to. So I pulled a few of the cards that I didn't that we didn't get to in our game. Um, and a couple of them we actually did get to, but I don't know if they made it onto the clips. So just to let you know, there are some other stories in here. Um, there's a story of Henry Box Brown. Uh, he shipped himself to freedom in a box by... And it reads exactly like this wagon, railroad, steamboat, wagon, railroad, ferry, railroad, and wagon. So he took all of those different modes of transportation in a box just to get to freedom. That's super cool. It's amazingly cool. (laughs) Um, There's a picture, like a, not all the cards have uh, actual pictures. A lot of them have drawings and things, but this one has an actual old photograph, the John Price Rescue. It says a group of rescuers from Oberlin and Wellington, Ohio, stormed a hotel and rescued price from being returned. So, I mean, there are a few things in here that tell the stories, but I think one of the challenges is that first off, the having recorded those stories is Uh going to be less likely for most of them because they're not educated. They're not given opportunities to tell those stories. Um, So coming up with them might be difficult, Um, If you are looking for some information, one of the cards actually is William Still. And it says, uh, as many as 60 slaves a month were helped helped to freedom through Still with, and it's really tiny print, so I'm sorry, uh, with detailed records kept on each. So I looked him up. Uh, William Still actually wrote a book. Um, Let me get to my notes. Fred, you're much more better at this, much more better. That's an English. I'm better. <laughs> the English is challenging <laughs> us again. Uh, anyhow, he wrote a book uh, called, did I cut it off? I cut it off. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, he was known as the father of the Underground Railroad. Whoa. <laughs> 
and it totally cut it off. But it chronicles stories and methods of some 649 slaves who escaped to freedom via the Underground Railroad. Anyhow, right. and his name was again was William Still. If you look him up on Wikipedia or whatever, you're going to be able to find that book. So there's some more information for you. Mm-hmm. As far as should all of it been put into a separate deck and included in the game, <clears throat> I kind of think no, because it's already such a downer game to play that if you're spending your time dwelling on right well let me ask you this on the history it could be even that much let me ask you this did you feel bad when you were losing them and were you constantly reminded that you were losing people i did yeah yeah so did i i mean I, i i recognized these these you know plain wooden cubes as people Mm-hmm. The whole game, I really felt thematically they were people and that I was losing them, that I was trying to save them. Ultimately, <clears throat> you do have this sort of weird acceptable losses rounds, you know, towards the end where you're just you're overwhelmed and then you you feel bad that's happening. But you're trying to, you know, save as many as you can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how much more it would matter if, if I had if I pulled up tokens that had people's faces and names on them or not, if that would make any difference or not, or I think it would make the game what what is actually quite a fun game. I think it would take some of the fun factor out of it because essentially at heart, a game has to be fun or you're not going to play it. And if you're not playing it, you're not learning what it has to offer. And I think it would have made it too. um, I would have felt too obligated to concentrate on each individual rather than playing the game itself, rather than working right. on the mechanic to get them I think maybe that would where be they needed to like go. the names and faces and backstories might be more important if you did an adventure game where you get to play the guy who boxes himself up or like a group of people trying to go, go through rather than like politician abolitionists, yeah. which is what your position is in this game. So you really are dealing with the big picture as, you know, your position in this game rather than on an individual basis you know it might be more impactful to have an adventure game designed like that you know and it might just be another another offering of of an educational game that you know adults will enjoy as well right right well there's your answer i appreciate you writing in yeah hopefully we handled this all satisfactory (laughs) nicole that brings us to the end of this episode of talk about board games now we love that dave wrote us and you too can write us by sending an email to talkaboutboardgames at gmail.com. Now, I have actually worked out the issue with the post office. We so, hope. Uh, you can be confident that when you send us something, we will receive what you send <laughs> at P.O. Box 6943, Lee's Summit, Missouri, 64064. Now, the discussions and the featured game in this show were, were uh, supported by listener contributions. You can take part by joining our guild on Board Game Geek. Just visit our website, talkaboutboardgames.com, and click on the, t- the forums tab at the top left of the page to get there. You can always follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or like our Facebook page. Please review us on iTunes or Stitcher to help bring more audience to this show. Now, in a rare moment of weakness, I was coerced into playing a game by direct request quest from the guild so in two weeks matt and brianna will join us and find out who might be betraying the group when we try to survive the dead of winter thanks again for listening i will buy another castle for five and put it in a space that i already owned at the start of the turn which will be this space right here why not 
Um, and then I will staff it with uh, seven foot soldiers. <laughs> Actually, well, those guys sound tall. <laughs> well, no, I'll do. I'll do a three.